If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Softweb Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Army Ranger and Green Beret, Jack Murphy. Good riddance. Hasta lasagna. Don't get any on you. Marine Scout Sniper, Jason Delgado. It's just something we're believing. I associate that with taste buds. I like freaking chocolate chip mint. Why is his flavor boring? Because his whole life is boring. But whatever. And now, here's your co-host and producer of this operation, Ian Scottell. Softrep.com, on time, on target. You don't even want to know how many times I, I had to sound check myself <laughs> sometimes uh, before we do the show uh, with like mic levels and everything. I think we're good now. Episode 300. I don't have any horns, so that's what we got to do. Should I throw one in here? That'd be awesome, man. <laughs> Maybe I will in post. Uh, are you guys digging the new imaging, by the way? Like, I'm, I'm really excited about it, the intro that you guys just heard. Um, huge shout-out to Kara O'Brien, who did the voiceover. Um, John Burns performed and recorded that theme music, and he went for exactly what I was really looking for. I originally, like, you know, it was like, let's do the Top Gun yeah. theme, and it was very Top Gun-esque. So um, if you want to check him out, it's johnburnsband.com. Uh, I got to throw John a plug. And it's spelled B-Y-R-N-E-S, johnburnsband.com. And uh, John is just one of the most talented musicians I know. And the fact that he created that for us, unbelievable. It was pretty flawless, the lick. <laughs> yeah, man. He's, and he records that all at his house, as his home studio. Um, but yeah, we're, we're very excited to be doing episode 300. I mean, there's... I, it would be a lot to get into like what this podcast means to me, but the fact that we've been doing this now for 300 episodes, the fact that you could listen back and hear like weeks upon weeks or months of me rambling with whether it's Jack or Brandon or Jason <laughs> or Drew or any of those guys, it's like it's insane to me. Um, and it's all thanks to you guys who enjoy this. I mean, if, if it wasn't for all of the listeners, really would have nothing. So yes, I'm I'm excited about it. Um, first thing to get into, we had a really awesome time with our friend Andrew Wilkow, my former uh, coworker at Emmett O'Looney's, where they raised twenty thousand dollars for uh, the Red Circle Foundation, Operation Chill Out, uh, Wishes for Warriors, and Horses for Heroes. Like an amazing event. They did a really good job. I was super impressed. Um, I was supposedly uh, going to lead the pack on the ride, but what happened was the way my bank account is set up. Um, Let's say, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The night before, I uh, actually, you know, had How to celebrate the, I'm sorry, <laughs> celebrate care. the Marine Corps uh, uh, birthday, right? So what happens, you know, in case you don't know Marines for the Marine Corps birthday, even if, you know, you try not to drink, you're probably going to get <laughs> obliterated. So that's what happened. I woke up you know, super hungover and not to mention it was like 26 degrees. So kudos and shout outs to all those guys that uh, drove in from New Jersey, uh, from uh, Tom and Nankin, uh, 
um, New Jersey's uh, Harley Davidson dealership. Um, they drove it's like an hour and a half into the city, yeah. you know, and it was over 200 bikes that came across the city, full permits, got uh, a permit to park right in front of Emmett O'Looney's, which was major. It was super awesome. Um, my bike was already there. I cheated. I, meet at the, I met them there. <laughs> you know, I got cold, but, you know, I figured at least let me show up. You yeah. know, I said I was going to be there. That's what we do. I'm going to be there. And got to see the bikes rolling. I thought that was worth it. That was definitely worth it. Hearing the rumble, watching the police escorts come in. Uh, the police officers from New Jersey were at the head of the pack, which I felt that's exactly where they needed to be. And when they rolled up, they set the example, started parking the bikes, and then all you know after after that rolled in all the other bikers, and we moved in. They had the um, his. Uh, <clears throat> Area where he was going to conduct the live broadcasting and the interviews all yeah. set up. It was awesome. I thought it was pretty clean. You'll see, uh, you'll see a lot of those pictures that Ian uh, posted up on the uh, website. I thought it was amazing. They did a great job and it went professionally and clean. And all the guests were amazing. We even had um, uh, Jim West up there. Yeah, um, he showed up. And let me tell you, man, he is the life of the party. People were just like lining up behind him to, to just to meet him and shake his hand and buy him a beer. And Jim was like, you know, hey, you know, I'm not trying to drink. I really don't drink. And you know, when <laughs> Man like that says he don't drink. You gotta listen. He's not drinking, right? You know what I mean? You know. He, Did he not drink? No, but the, he couldn't turn down drinks. He's such a cool guy. So yeah, I, he, like, I can't picture Jim not drinking. But he said, you know, he, you know, I don't think he does it on his own. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hey, I'm gonna go have a beer. So he like tries to, you know, not drink, but he just couldn't help it that night. Everyone would give, was giving him. And I was, I, I was affected by you know proximity because all the shots were coming in, all the beers were coming in, and I was right next to him. So they were like, "Yeah, him too." And I was like, "Man, I'm on my bike, man." <laughs> it was amazing though, man. Everyone was super, super supportive, and like you said, they raised over what twenty four, twenty five grand, something. Like I think that. it was twenty thousand, but yeah. the, but there were people ordering shirts online too, so oh, they didn't even yeah. count that. Um, when you're talking about everybody talking to Jim, I even saw Will Cow's wife was talking to Jim for like an hour, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "What could Jim possibly talking be talking about with uh, Brittany Will Cow?" And then I went over to her though, and she was like, "No, it was a great conversation." He's probably going to train her to fight. He's been training a, a female now to fight, and let yeah. me tell you, he's, he's showing me like the progression pictures of her, her conditioning. <laughs> yeah, she's ripped, man. I feel bad whoever she gets in the ring with, but Jim's been doing that, you know, on the weekends sometimes just training fighters to get ready for their professional career. Yeah, I heard him. You know, he's talked about it on the podcast before, mm-hmm. and he's showed me the pictures. When he originally was showing me the pictures, I'm like, Jim, are you hitting this? And he's like, no, 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 I'm just training her. <laughs> Although you may never know with Jim. Yeah, he is He is a ladies' man. Yes. Um, and you got to go on air with, with a fellow Marine that you never met before. Uh, yeah, um, uh, J.W. Cortez. Yeah. Yeah, um, he actually plays Detective Alvarez on Gotham. Got uh, the the show yeah. Gotham, the um, I guess prequel Batman or whatever you know the story of how everyone became in, into full character, um, and he's a recurring world. I want to say he's on almost thirty uh, thirty episodes, twenty eight episodes, something like that. That's a big big accomplishment for a marine, you know. Uh, nonetheless, a, a gunnery sergeant, I believe, from when he uh, it was his last rank achievement, from what I saw, and I'm just you know page peeping. That's what we do, we creep. Um, and so yeah, big big shout out to this guy he was representing um uh the marine foundation uh marine corps foundation right yeah uh semper five semper five foundation i'm sorry he was representing the semper five foundation and um he was there just raising awareness for the cause and i you know i was called up by andrew and you know i just had to reiterate the importance 
in supporting veterans after their service because, you know, a lot of us don't have those uh, security uh, safety nets and security measures in place after we get out that we'll be able to support ourselves and our families say we're in you know certain situations when it comes mentally or physically or you know any type anything that will hinder us you know uh circumnavigating life you know we we just have what we have via the va and sometimes that might not be enough let's be honest it's yeah. sometimes you know they, like i said they do help out but you know so it's important for those programs to be out there and it's veterans helping veterans just like he was you know being a spokesman for it um definitely definitely awesome guy um and great things coming from him i mean just another veteran leader in the community out there doing big things you know someone to look out for yeah, I, I hope to have him on. I did shoot him an email. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll make something happen. I mean, he seemed like a very cool guy. So. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of different just veterans in the house for the for the event um, and a lot of people who support the military. Uh, do you think that Mrs. Connecticut stole the show? Who uh, <laughs> Anybody <laughs> who that comes in, anybody that comes in with the uh, Miss Anything satchel yeah. going across their uh, body, I think they just got, I think I, there were the, she was the, literally the only person, me, Jim, Drew, yourself, we, we got up to say, hey, would you mind taking a picture <laughs> of us? The whole night it was the other way around. Hey, Jim, can I take a picture with you? Hey, guys, yeah. you know, I've heard you on the podcast, whatever. You know, and then we were the ones who groupied out when we said, hey, Miss Connecticut, let's go get a picture. Well, you know, sorry, Drew was very confused because, you know, hopefully she's not hearing this, but he was like, is this Miss Senior Connecticut? He was like, Ooh. she's got a, but here's the thing. The reason why is because she was Mrs. Connecticut. And there's apparently a difference. Like, like, is that like, like the, the teen queen kind of stuff? Is that what it well, is? Well, no, I think Miss Connecticut is usually like early 20s. And this is like a married, you know, she's Mrs. Connecticut. Oh. She was with her husband. So it was, it was you know, a little I bit older. It. But, you know, she I still, still looks very still, good. She was attractive, you know, if that's what you like. You know, I'm not, that's not, <laughs> that, that's not my cup of tea, you know, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a great time. So shout out to Will Cow. Um, I really like the shirts that they pressed as well. Those yeah. were really badass. That was awesome. And I don't think I have any tan shirts left. So definitely good looks for that. Uh, Andrew, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the tan shirt. It, yeah. it's, it's a cool touch. I mean, I have too many black shirts. Um, and hopefully at some time we'll get Andrew on the podcast because he really is just like a It would be nice to repay the favor. You know, he's, he's done so much for us, you know, for me anyway. He's putting me on his show several times, you know, three how times already. Yeah, exactly. That's how, I, you know, that's how I was introduced to soft rep in general. Yeah, hell yeah. I would love to get him on the show. That would be great. Yeah, and he really is just the true true patriot. And I remember you saying to me, you were like, of all the hosts that I've met doing this, you said he's your favorite. So. <laughs> because he's so down to earth. Like, you you know, you, you interact with so many people in this industry and TV and audio and they start to somewhat become full of themselves, Ian. They start yeah. to get like uh, their, their egos inflated and they start to think they're something bigger than what I would perceive them to be personally. And this is a personal opinion, but sure. Andrew is not one of them. You know, this guy is, uh, remembers your name, remember who you, who, who you are, you know, um, you know, he does things for veterans on a constant basis. You know, um, like I said, uh, prior to the event kicking off, he was just walking down the street when we came outside to, because I think we got a text saying the bikes are rolling up. And when we, me and Emmett um, from Emmett O'Looney's walked outside, 
the establishment. Here comes Andrew just walking down the uh, walking down the street with his uh, uh, producer Mike. Yeah, right. And they're just like two regular dudes. And hey, what's up, Emmy? Hey, hey, what's up, Jason? How you doing? You know, we gave each other dap, hugged hugged it out, and you know, next thing you know, the phones come out. We're figuring out where we're gonna park. Like it felt like I was talking to a friend. Yeah, and you know, to think a man was you know a man with so much success. Could still sit down and kind of like rub elbows with you and have a beer with you. That's Andrew Wilcox. Absolutely, and and I think that you know in this current climate, there's a lot of people who um, tag on to the veteran cause is almost mm-hmm. like a gimmick, and yes. they'll do something for Veterans Day, you know, only Veterans Day or July Fourth, and be like, "Hey, we're saluting our veterans," and it's almost like something they feel obligated to do. Yeah. Andrew, throughout the whole year, it's like this is a cause that he truly cares about. You know, I talked about Horses for Heroes being one of the um, one of one of the um, charities that we supported. Like Andrew's been at the ranch in New Mexico, rode horses with veterans there, and it's like for him, this is not a gimmick. It's something that he truly is passionate about, and, and it's a cause that he loves, and that's why he does this. So, yeah, I definitely see the the love being reciprocated through his fan base because they follow him religiously i mean they showed up they were there before we were there and i don't think you know emmett was probably three minutes from opening and he already had that following showing up and these are people that drove up from georgia in that cold weather yeah you know there we had a a couple come up from georgia in that freezing cold weather just to meet you know uh you know, the guests, you know, I think John Gilliam was one of them. Um, Andrew, they, they just wanted to meet him and the people that they listened to. And they went out their way to do that. So to me, that was really flattering. And that speaks volumes on who he is as, as a person that they could relate to, you know. Absolutely. Um, so I'm very psyched to have Joel Ortega on the show for the first time. Uh, I'm going to let him know, you know, no pressure, but this is episode 300. It's so you better bring better gonna, bring your yeah. A game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we bring in Adam him. I don't think he's been in a team room for a while, but uh, maybe we could get some uh, some juice out of him. I think it's also <laughs> cool to have a guy who's going to be on from Puerto Rico. You know, yes. I want to hear that situation on the ground. So before that, we got to get to John Schneider, because as much as we enjoyed Emmett's event, there was another big event going on uh, across the pond in the UK, which was the second Remembrance Rumble. And this is the second one that John's been a part of. John is a uh, Marine. Uh, He was in 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, Fox Company. And he was actually on the All-Pro Marine Corps wrestling team. So, But he's a fighter. Actually, his uh, moniker coming in the ring is the Fighting Marine, John Schneider. So, Or John, the Fighting Marine Schneider. (laughs) Anyway, so this is his second rumble. This guy loves to fight, and he represents us so well. Like, And it was because of him we had the killer squad we had this year. And we showed up. It was great. Um, I think we did outstanding. I'll let him tell the tale, sir. So uh, HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. With HelloFresh, all the ingredients are delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging and come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. really is truly convenient. And HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly, including the classic plan, which comes with a wide variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce. And by the way, it comes super fresh to your door. The way that they pack it 
Um, you know, you're going to get it as fresh as anywhere else. And the veggie plan, vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins, and also they have the family plan. Quick and easy meals the whole family will love. Better yet, you can choose a delivery day that works best for your busy schedule and even pause your account for weeks at a time. And the cool thing is, you know, if it gets delivered to your door, it's not like you need to open this thing right away because they do such a good job packaging it. HelloFresh makes it so easy to cook delicious, balanced dinners for less than $10 a meal. No more time-consuming meal planning or grocery shopping. Enjoy not spending money on takeout for an easy night or worrying about gathering ingredients week after week. And not only that, they give you everything in just uh, the right amount that you need. Sometimes they'll give you a little extra, you know, sauces and things like that. But for the most part, you're not wasting all this money and all these ingredients um, that you won't need. Uh, I've loved everything that I've gotten from them. I was a big fan of the uh, Crantastic uh, Turkey Burger. And that was a while back, but I'm, I'm, rem- I'm being reminded of it because Thanksgiving is coming up. Uh, and that was almost like a Thanksgiving-type that is. meal. Yeah, I was into Thanks- that. Thanksgiving-esque. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> um, so for $30 off your first week at HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code SOFTREP30. So that's HelloFresh.com, promo code SOFTREP30. Uh, we really are loving everything that they're doing, so we suggest that you uh, you join up. So joining us for the first time on the show, John Schneider, and, and just to give you um, some info, John, before we brought you on, Jason and I were talking all about the... Uh, Veterans Day event at Emmett O'Looney's, but on Veterans Day, you were doing something completely different with SoftRep and kicking ass in our second Remembrance Rumble, which is up on Facebook still for anyone who wants to check it out. It's, uh, it's an honor to have you on, man. Thank you, brother. Honored to be on. So, second fight. And, you know, I was a part of the first one. I just want to throw it out there. That's where I met John, you know. <laughs> Remember when we cut the uh, Marine Corps cake in the Ace Hotel? Hell yeah. Yeah, it's my, yeah. It's my guy. He was, he was the only Marine out there with me. So, you know, we had to represent hardcore. Um, th- actually, before we get it, did you do anything like that this year with you guys out there? Because I know it was all Marine uh, Yeah, all we, Marine did. Crew. No, we, we did. We did. I mean, you know, we were flooded with Marines this time. It was, That's right. We were uh, two, four deep. Nice. And uh, Fifth Marines deep because we had a guy from 152 in process. And uh, yeah, we got, uh, I mean, we did the best we could do. We got a piece of tiramisu. Nice. And, uh, you know, youngest Marine, youngest Marine had the first bite. I, oh, that's amazing. That's what we did last time. The same thing. It was a tiramisu yep. too, man. Hey, big ups, man. A tradition. Love that. See, that's why we got to keep definitely. the legacy going. So um, talk to me about uh, talk to me about the fight this time around as opposed to the first. More so, I want to hear about how it came about that this was just an all-USMC fighting crew. So how did that happen? Well, <clears throat> I was talking to Brandon, uh, Brandon Webb. Uh, we, we, was, we were talking about, you know, making a team for this year and who was going to be on, who wasn't going to be on. And I just threw out a hey, listen, I have a, a couple of uh, killers from 2-4 that would love to be on the team. And uh, he's like, you know what, let's make it an all-Marine team this year. So we started coming up and uh, coming up with the team. You know, uh, he gave the seal of approval, which uh, he was very happy with the team. And um, that's it, Jason Drexel, he's from 2-4 uh, Echo Company. He was a small gunner and then uh, uh george Kleins was actually my roommate <clears throat> he he went to state platoon after after he uh after he left first platoon and then he went to recruiting duty his second enlistment 
Um, he's actually still fighting. He's a pro MMA fighter. Just started his pro career. Is that the one who got uh, the uh, the knockout? Right, right, right. That's a and bad I'll, I'll tell you about man, that. The boy. knockout too. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about that fight too. But um, yeah, and then Christian Prosser, who actually edits for Swafford. Yeah, he's a copy editor. He was with one five. Yeah, he was with one five. Um, so he was on the team too. So it was the four of us. Great. Great job. I was so entertained watching the Facebook live video. For those of you out there who have not seen it, go to Softrep, um, uh, Facebook, Softrep, uh, Softrep's Facebook page and make sure you take a look at it because, like I said, it was extremely exciting. First fight. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about what happened with, the, uh, with, with Drexel. With uh, Kleins, Kleins. First oh, fight. Kleins. I'm <clears> sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, the first fight was actually next. You know, he's saying he was a staple too. You know, that's why he's a little feisty. You know, the, yeah. uh, uh, surveillance and target acquisition platoon. That's what we call our sniper platoons in the, uh, <laughs> in the infantry. But uh, <laughs> but, but right before the first fight, there was an exhibition. Actually, it was amazing. You know, it was a guy who was wounded, hit by a uh, IED, um, an SAS guy, uh, Chris Middleton, and uh, lost both his legs. And um, he see. was fighting in a wheelchair. Mm. Um, that was both of us fighting in the wheelchair. I mean, the guy, the guy, I, I didn't see the guy with, for a second with a smile off his face. That was God amazing. Bless him. Yeah, did a great job. And then, uh, then clients came up, George Clients. So, <clears throat> Clients was fighting a guy named Ali, who's a SAS vet. And uh, he he came out very aggressive against Clients. Was was throwing big shots, landed a few, and it was just happened to be in you know within a. You know, in an exchange, that client's, it was a one punch you caught him with. It was uh, probably in the last 10 seconds of the first round. And um, he looked like he went out cold for about a second. And uh, he sat down in the corner between rounds. And just, uh, I guess he, his corner decided it wouldn't be in his best interest to come out for the second round. Considering. So, uh, yeah. yeah, for his health. You know, it's, it's for charity. Yeah, I don't exactly. think anybody was trying to take advantage of anybody. I think... Uh, I think you know it was it was in the heat of the battle. Yep. It was the heat of an exchange. He got caught with a shot. It wasn't like he was hurt, and he tried to finish him up. He got hurt with one shot, and that was it. So yeah, and I, I know I noticed after the fact that kind of everybody took a chill pill after that. Was that something that you yeah. guys discussed as a team after that <laughs> that, that bout? Uh, if you want to go into some behind the scenes thing, yeah, we had uh, an unnamed person from the SAS team come downstairs, very concerned. And, uh, you know, just let us know what was happening and let us remind us what we're here for. Okay. So, this is charity. No, that's cool. You know, Jason, I'm not, Jason, I, probably, Jason probably knows, knows exactly what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, and it, because, you know, you got to be reminded that, that it's right. their exhibition fights, guys. You know, we don't want no one right. to go home uh, and, jacked up. But, you know, exactly. I, good. Marines are marines we're, we're we're extremely competitive if you hit me hard it's not gonna be a dude watch out no it's gonna be okay that's, that's how you want to play it <laughs> and and i know george Klein's very well and um i'll be honest i'm not, i'll be honest george knows one speed yeah george knows one speed and that's with anything hey it's that's apparent with, that's with that's with eating food getting a haircut getting into a fight yeah girls he knows one speed but at the end of the day, I watched the fight, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was trying to take advantage. It happened to be, you know, an exchange. He got caught. He, George has heavy hands. Caught him with a shot on the on the button, and that was it. Awesome, awesome, brother. So while you were over there, talk to me about the experience between 
the SAS and our boys, you know, the, the camaraderie, the, you know, cause they're very, very accommodating last time I was there. And, you know, I just got, I just want to speak on that, how extremely professional, courteous and considerate these gentlemen are. Absolutely. I I second that, um, you know, the whole event, I mean, the whole event has evolved this year. Uh, to a sec- to another point, not not the camaraderie because the camaraderie was there last year mm-hmm. between um, you know it was mutual between between us and uh, they were very forthcoming with the hospitality. I mean they you know they were asking us to stay longer, offering us you know places to stay, wanting to show us around, taking us out. You know we didn't have to pay for anything. We're going out. They they wanted to treat us and uh, gentlemen, total gentlemen, and uh, they have a lot of respect just like we do for them. They have a lot of the same respect for us. It was it was a great experience. We're gonna have you know friends for life in this event. So it was a bigger turnout, is what you're saying. You felt- uh, I would just it evolved. It was uh, just all around it evolved. I believe it was around the same turnout because we had uh, last year was a sellout as well. So I, I'm not sure exactly how many it holds a thousand between a thousand and twelve hundred people. Yeah. Place. Yeah, you're but right. Next year they're definitely gonna need a bigger venue. Yeah, it was definitely sold out. Um, the actual post, uh, the videos, almost at two hundred thousand views. That's pretty impressive, you know. Wow. Considering, yeah, it was only a couple of days ago, and even that day, it was it was quite a bit. So we're definitely catching way for the cause and for the event. Um, I want to see next year because I, at some point, I have a feeling the uh, um, the the British organization uh, organizers of the event or the charity are going to say, you know what, we had uh, Marines versus SAS this year. We're going to have to cool it next year. <laughs> Let's get some Rangers yeah. or some Army. You know what I mean? So we need to start thinking about that now. You know what I mean? Because we might get cut off. They, they, they might cut you guys off at the bar, right? They, they might, yeah, they might. Exactly. They may want us to come over there and train them. Oh. I saw Brandon this morning, and, and he said, like, that there was a little bit of uh, animosity at, at how well that our guys did. Is, is that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was watching the, <clears throat> I was watching the live event. Uh, I'm not sure someone, I was, I would definitely expect a little bit from the SAS side, but I saw from the fan side, um, anytime we would get something good, I mean, they're, they're just talking about how much better we are, how much more, you know, more experienced, how much younger we are, but you know, listen, we, we keep in shape. And it's We're, not, and it's not our fault. So to say, Marines, it's it's not our fault that we rise to the occasion when we're asked to do something, we do it. And you'll start seeing, you know, traditionally speaking, more and more Marines are the ones in these type types of events. You know, we don't we really don't care to get punched in the face. You know what I mean? (laughs) It it ain't no big deal for us. You know what I mean? We fight every day. So what I want to see is I want to see involvement. And I'm sure everyone else does out there, too. I want to see more involvement from the other communities. What's up? I concur. No, hopefully next year, you know, remembers Rumble Three. We can see some uh, some some love from Rangers or something. Let's just let's throw a kick ass yeah kick ass team together. Yeah, we could maybe put together an intramural tournament, intermilitary tournament of veterans, Ooh. and then come up with the team from that. It's a cool idea, man. Um, before we wrap up here, I'm wondering, you know, actually for both you guys being over there, you know, you went last year, Jason. What's like the difference in attitude between Veterans Day in the U.S. and Remembrance mm. Day in the U.K.? Like the atmosphere, how how the people speak with both of you. I'm just wondering because I've never been over there. Um, from my point of view, it is damn near the entire township of London celebrates Remembrance Day. 
I, I think there are not many that would dare not wear that poppy on their lapel. Am I right, uh, John? Did it seem like it was? It you was. Know what? It was like a, everybody involved in it and appreciating their veterans and the, you know the people they lost. You know what, Jason? You're taking the words out of my mouth because I get goosebumps when I talk to the civilians over there and they tell us how much they appreciate us. You don't get that in America you anymore. Uh, for the most part, it's uh, widespread in the media. You know, um, the uh, this whole sit down for the national anthem, how it's not against the military, but you know, at the end of the day, that's what we fight for. And uh, you know they they live for that in, they, in England. They live for their for their uh, armed services. They, um, they really it's, do. It's it's a very they're very emotional civilians over there. I I got it's emotional. I got emotional when they all started chanting the same song in the arena. And you're talking about I don't know how many people fit in that arena. Your call, but it's a lot. And mm-hmm. a lot of these individuals don't know each other. But the songs they chant in unison. This is like a part of their tradition. You can tell they're they're doing this since they were children. We don't have that anymore. No. You know, and we're just divided. We're a nation divided right now, unfortunately. We're we're the ones who pay the cost. But over there, they still remember, you know, they still remember the ones that came before them. So hey John, thank you so much, brother. And thank you for constantly stepping up to the plate. Keep it up, man. You're def- you're definitely you. you're the definitely the guy I call the team captain over here, right? <laughs> Thank you, brother. No, nah, no problem. Gentlemen, thanks. Talk to you later. Have a great night. You too. Thanks for coming on. And, and before you go, are you on uh, Twitter, or Instagram, anything you're promoting? Um, I'm yeah. on nothing. You do a lot of things. <laughs> come on. Throw it out there. Let the people know when they come see you. No, nah, the, the Fighting Marine. That's it. Let's just check out the Fighting Marine. All right. right. Killer. All right. All right. All right. That Represent. works, man. We got to have you in here in the studio sometime. I know you're in Jersey. Absolutely. Hell I'm yeah. in the city. I work in the city every day. Yeah, he works in the city. Let's so, do yeah. it. Let's have you in uh, maybe next month or something. Yeah. And I, I also, Sounds like a plan. I also send you a message via Instagram. You were in London, but a hey, happy belated birthday, Devil Dog Semper Fi. Thank you, my brother. Same to you. Semper Fi. Thank you, man. Ready, gents. So joining us as well for the first time on Soft Rep Radio, Joel Ortega, former Marine Scout sniper, and uh, you're currently in Puerto Rico as we speak. Before I hand it over to Jason uh, to get into everything, and it's an honor to speak to you, uh, not to put too much pressure on you, man, but this is episode 300, so hopefully this will be an epic one. All right. Thanks uh, for having me on the show. It's an honor. (laughs) Absolutely. Brother, 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 do me a favor. Can we go through a little resume, a little bio. Can you explain to these, uh, y- this younger generation of snipers who you are and where you came from and how you came up? Yeah, well, uh, Joel Ortega, originally from uh, San Juan, you know, Puerto Rico. I uh, joined in 94, uh, an infantryman. Uh, spent about a year and a half with 2-6, 2nd Battalion, 6th Marines, right there at Campbell June. Uh, about a year and a half later, took the NDOC, and, uh, you know, joined the staple tune, uh, went to school, you know, became a sniper, all this stuff, and I uh, served uh, 10 years. Earth. So I uh, was an instructor at the Second Marine Division School uh, from 99 to 2001, um, you know. So that's that's second Marine. About it right there. To clarify, that's Second Marine Division Scout Sniper School. That's like the right, MOS producing right. school. The, uh, what we call yes. the Beast Coast, you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, just uh, just a, a little uh, a little uh, 
touching on after life after the military. Did you do any contracting work or any uh, um, courses or, or training? No, well, not contracting. Uh, some classes here and there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, helped up uh, some friends with companies and stuff like that. Brought people down here to Puerto Rico, like, uh, you know, Cal DeFore, Northern Red, J.D. Kutinsky, Tom Spooner, all those guys. Major guys. Uh, but no, I, what's that? Those are major guys, by the way. Major, major guys. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. They are pretty much the rock stars of the scene right now, right. you know. Uh, but no, no contracting, but, um, you know, just doing woodwork and stuff down here. That's what I've been doing since I got out. So, so you guys know, Joel is... Um, constructing a bar he's about to open it up it looks damn near amazing he does his own woodwork he's a carpenter right so um he yeah. helped me out in puerto rico i went down there to go uh check on my grandparents and he hit me up and was like brother i know you you're you know you know you're coming out here i see your post you know if you need anything hit me up and you know i was like yeah i might need a ride from the airport he was johnny on the spot showed up vehicle threw our bags in took us to our grandmother's house like honestly that's true brotherhood right there, man. That being said, when, when I went into his bar, when we went up to his area to check him out, how he lives, you know, we went up to his bar. He has this picture of Chuck Mohini sign on the, uh, on the wall. And if you guys that don't know, Chuck Mohini is like our, one of our biggest legends in the community. You know, uh, right there, uh, you know, I would say a little bit in, in reference to me, uh, you know, I'll probably get killed for this. But to me, I, I, I actually admire him a bit more than, you know, some that would be exalted above, you know, many scout snipers out there. So um, Chuck Mohini is definitely the man. I think he's got the, he had the most confirmed kills in Vietnam. Correct? Yeah, he yep. did. He, did. he was well, top guy uh, in Vietnam. Yeah, Are you hinting at that? Like for him, it's him and then Carlos Hathcock or something. You or? know, I ain't say it. You know, if you want to well, say yeah. it, you know what I mean. The thing about Mohini, man, is that nobody knew about him exactly until the late nineties. You know, everybody mm-hmm. knew about Hathcock. You know, mm-hmm. ever since. You know, he got out of Vietnam and started the program in 75. Mm-hmm. But uh, no one knew about this other guy, you know, until 99, I believe it was, when he, like, came out. Uh, so he know, respected it was, like, a little bit more. Through a book. Is he so. respected a little bit more as, like, a quiet professional, that whole Exactly. Label, it's one of those things where the community kind of exalted him. You know, the community decided, you know, why the hell are we not telling your story, you know, vice this one? Because it deserves to be told. I think you're a badass individual. And in sniper school, we honor him by giving the High Shooter Award, which we call the Chuck Mohini High Shooter Award, wow. to the individual who scored the highest on the, on, on the uh, range portion of the sniper school, which is an extreme honor. You know, and to even yeah. have that uh, have that accolade named after you—that's amazing. That's how much we really, uh, you know, uh, praise this guy. Um, so I'm thinking straight out the gate: if I was to roll up to Puerto Rico and I just happen to stumble into your bar and I see this picture of Chuck Mohini on the wall, how crazy would that? It would just blow my mind because I don't even—I I thought I was like, you know, one of like maybe two. Puerto Rican scout snipers in the world, you know, but you know, to here you are yeah. you're waving the flag proudly. I, I thought that was about the freakiest thing in the world for me. But what I thought was more interesting was when I asked you, how the hell did you get his signature and the story you told me? Can you tell me that story again? Yeah, of course, man. Uh, back in 99, I was just graduating the advanced course in Quantico and um, he was the guest speaker. So they told us, Hey, Chuck Mahin is coming today. He's going to be the guest speaker for you guys graduation. So we're like, cool. 
uh, that day we were in the barracks. As we're walking back to the uh, schoolhouse, uh, the instructor had, she's got a number. She's got like a keypad. You got to punch in a number. Door opens. You go in. So uh, the door opens outwards. So I'm going in. I punch in the number to go inside, you know, where the instructors are at. And uh, I'm pulling on the doorknob outwards. But I can feel someone, like, trying to open the door inwards. You know, so I <laughs> jank on the door and, uh, you know, jank the door open. I see a body flying out, which is the other guy holding the uh, doorknob on the inside. And it's a little skinny guy. When I look at, that, at you know, the guy that just flew out, it was Chuck Mahoney. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, damn. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, I, I'm the one that's sorry, you know. And uh, he was like, are you one of the instructors or one of the guys graduating today? And I was like, yeah. So he was like, hey, yeah, you know, come inside. He had a, like, a, you know, one of these, like, Samsonite leather briefcases or whatever. So we go inside the instructor area. He opens it up and pulls out a picture. So I'm like, holy crap, he's going to give me a picture. You know, the picture that we see everywhere mm-hmm. in schoolhouses or books or whatever. He had it right there. So he pulls it out. And uh, he turns around and he's like, what's your name? So I'm like, uh, I'm still in shock. You know, I'm like, my name is Sergeant Ortega. He goes down, uh, you know, he bends over to the uh, over to the desk and he starts writing like Semper Fi, this, this and that. Then he turns around again. He's like, no, what's your name? And I'm like, my name's Joel. <laughs> so he wrote it down. He wrote, you know, Joel on the picture, turns around, give it back to me, you know. And that's, yeah. that's pretty much the story right there. Dude, that's an amazing story. I wish I had a story with uh, a legend like that. Um, Speaking of which, you have another story of a legend, you know, um, that I really didn't know much of. Can you kind of let us know who Massasar Neil Morris was and is? Um, I thought it was pretty interesting, the story you told me as far as uh, his position in the Marine Corps. Yeah, Neil Morris, man, the reason why, like, a lot of people don't know about him, you know, uh, and, and, like, you know, the newer guys, the newer generation of scout snipers and Marine Corps, because, you know, to me and a lot of people, that guy right there is the epitome of what a silent professional is, mm. you know. But this guy right here, man, quick, you know, story on the guy, he pretty much wrote the uh, curriculum, you know, for pretty much all the schools we have in the Marine Corps, or, or at least in our time frame. Uh, you know, Scout Sniper basic course, uh, the urban one, because he was the head guy for special, uh, you know, mission branch for SOTG, Special Operations Training Group. And he was also the one that created the advanced course. And uh, this guy is the only, you know, Marine also that, was the uh, staff in COIC for all three schools. Mm. You know, he was a staff in COIC for Pendleton School, then Quantico, and the last one was, uh, you know, the 2nd Marine Division uh, out of Stone Bay. And uh, anyway, he retired, like, after 26 years in 2001 as a master sergeant. And at the time when he retired, he was a, he was one of the biggest advocates for the uh, Scout Sniper Company. The thing that they mm-hmm. just have in a, a Pendleton, the, yeah. you know, the R-Stack, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the guy talking about that, like, back in the mid-90s. You know, that's, that's how ahead of his time this, this, guy, this guy was. And uh, so anyway, he, he was always talking about, you know, the scout sniper company at the division level. And 
so following his dream, like towards the end of his career, they pretty much created a position uh, called the Master Sniper. You know, the Marine Corps Master Sniper. And it, it was pretty much the senior scout sniper of the Marine Corps. You know, and his sole purpose was like to oversee the whole like training program and uh, you know the whole scout sniper mm-hmm. program in the Marine Corps. Wow! And uh, but that, that's that's as far as you know he got. He never saw the company, uh, even though that's what he wanted, and and pretty much he altered that. But um, you that, know, so that's that's pretty much it right there for him. I I. I've never, I didn't know that there was such a billet as a master sniper billet in the Marine Corps until he told yeah, me the story. I, I don't know if that's still like a current billet. I, I don't know. You I, know don't, if, if I, I didn't hear of it, it when not, I, but, yeah. I didn't hear of it. And I, or should I say, when I was teaching in SOTG and then, you know, subsequently later on in MARSOC, um, when we transitioned, um, I, I, I didn't have to deal with anybody that was in that billet, master sniper billet, for like, you know, I don't know, coming down to, for curriculum review. I mean, we had we had guys that were, you know, legends within the community, like Devaney, right. you remember him. Um, you know, those guys will always be at the forefront of trying to push new doctrine or trying to square away issues that we have within the community. But I didn't know there was an actual master sniper billet. And, you know, this guy was obviously the first one to hold it. I'm not sure if they even continue it. You know, all I know is that I thought that was in, uh, interesting uh, historical little fact that I kind of want to, you know, put on air and let people remember, you know, know yeah. it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, like I said, man, that's pretty much when the whole talk about the sniper company came about. And this is, dude, this is like back in, last time I heard, you know, when I was saying conversations or, you know, even mentioning the scout sniper company was like a 99, 2000 time frame. Yeah. You know, he got out in 2001 and he wanted to do that, but. So what are you know, like your, that's, that's as far as it got, huh? What are your thoughts on, on the RSTAC, on, on the Regimental uh, Surveillance Target Acquisition Company? I haven't read too much about it, man, but I think it's good. I think if they can do it like what Morris wanted to do at the time, he didn't want it as the regimental level. He wanted to do that thing as a division level, Mm -hmm. you know, like a division scout sniper company. And, uh, you know, at the time when when he talked about it and and it was like, you know, rumors going around about this company and stuff, it it seemed like a good idea, man, because it's like... uh, the training will be the same for everyone, the board. Mm-hmm. you know, the money, uh, maybe you can stay in the community longer, yep. you know, cause you know how it was in our time, man, you hit staff sergeant, that's, if that's there's still, one in the platoon already, you're out. That's still a huge problem. You know? Um, just to spin you yeah, up on, it, it on is a problem. just to spin you up on what they have, I think they wanted to outfit, uh, four platoons for the regiment. Right. And then uh, uh, those four platoons were active, will be active sniper platoons. And then there'll be uh, a fifth platoon, which is a training cadre. And the training cadre would be senior sniper, senior hogs in charge of the training and the indoctrination process for the company. And obviously you'll have headquarters elements, stuff like that. Um, as it stands now, I think my last, the last word I received was that they only have two uh, platoons stood up and that when they send out it for indoctrination, it's, it's a regimental wide, uh, the fifth Marines uh, wide call where they'll, you know, pull the best from the different uh, battalions and, you know, uh, kind of run the indoctrination. Um, that right. being said, that the issue is that now you have instead of three quotas going to a battalion, four quotas going to a battalion, two going to another. Now you have all the quotas going to our stack. 
And the issue with that, not a huge issue, it's just that there's going to be a tremendous amount of Marines within this company. So not all of them, and let's be honest, not all of them are going to be able to get to sniper school unless something happens within the program in and of itself, which they're, they're you know, some people are kicking around ideas of making maybe you know, just one pr- uh, primary sniper school and running more courses uh, uh, um, concurrently, you know, so that way they could put pipeline more guys through the actual uh, uh, sniper course. Right, and I've, I think that's good, man. I don't think everybody doesn't need to go to sniper school. Yeah, I You know, and, 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 you know, like, I mean, back in the days, man, I, I never saw a Scott Sniper platoon where everyone was an 85-41. Yeah, you know, it's not going to happen. And, and, and you have guys that are good at communications. They go to communication schools. They go to older schools, you know, and, and, and you need that. So, And that's, uh, and that's and, what they said. If they run it something like similar to the reconnaissance community, not everyone is going right. to get to jump. Not everyone is going to get to dive. Not every, you know, it is just a right. matter of who you are within that unit and how important of an asset you become. Yeah, and it's good that you mentioned the end dog because I told you something about that, and I saw this when I was an instructor at school. Uh, the thing, the good thing about the company, you know, our stack or you know, division company, if it ever happens that way, is that everybody's going to go through the same pipeline. You know, when I was an instructor at school, you had guys that that you ask around and like, hey, I mean, like, what are you guys doing for the end dog? Oh, we run a one week end dog. Another battalion is like we have one a day. one day end dog. Yeah. You know, another one is like we have a week and a half end up, and it's like you know what's going on. Why can everybody be the same? The same, the same is yeah. across the board for the training, or should I say, SOPs, the standing operating procedures. That's another thing too, because it's a hot bag of skittles. By the time it's coming from the, the different, the multitudes of battalions, and then you consolidate them all in the school, and it's like, mm, okay. So I guess that is yeah. a great. I, I agree with you. That's a great thing. Um, as far as the retention. That is still an issue, and it'll still remain an issue. Do you know that, obviously, you know, um, the intention in changing the MOS to 0317 from 8541, or in which they uh, pushed that initiative, was basically claiming that it would become eventually a primary MOS, right? You heard this before. Yeah, I read it, man. You know, that's when I went to Quantico in 2010. They already changed the MOS, and that's, that's when I found out. And, um, you know, I asked, and I was like, hey, why, why did they change, you know, 0317, you know, from 8541? And they were like, well, they're going to try to make it an 80, uh, you know, a primary MOS. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but, you know, I'm, it hasn't happened yet. No, it so. hasn't happened. And that, I don't know why they even changed the numbers around if there's no difference. It is still considered a billeted or yeah. secondary MOS. Um, or billeted MOS. So guys are still getting promoted off of the field of the primary MOS. More so, the important thing is, as you say, within this new company, we're losing all the senior guys once they hit staff NCO to their monitors. And now these staff NCOs are getting pushed into, you know, other billets that are, you know, not within their specialized field and vice versa as a double-edged sword we're also getting guys from security forces and banger coming in to run these platoons that have a, a, a clue of what they're doing and we have to spin them up just as much as we have to spin up a pig 
which a pig right. for those guys out there is a professionally instructed gunman, and a hog is a hunter of gunmen. So a, the difference between a hit, uh, a pig and a hog well, is freaking everything if you ask a sniper. But a pig is someone who is a freshly uh, indoctrinated um, uh, recruit within the platoon, and he has to prove himself and then go to school and get the MOS, and he'll become a hog. Right. So uh, what yeah, do you think? What do, you, what do you think about that, the whole retention issue in the Marine Corps and, and you know, how it's kind of left a lot of our, our forces kind of, like, hung, hung out to dry? Well, when I got out, man, we kept numbers of school. Like, we kept numbers of school. Like, hey, how many active, you know, scout snipers that we have right now? How many are re-enlisted? I remember one year, man, the uh, re-enlistment, you know, percentage for 85-41s was zero. You know, and and I'm I'm one of those guys right there. When it came time around for me to re-enlist, you know, they were like, "Hey, uh, we need you to either do a big billet or go back to a line company." I was like, "No, I I don't want to do that." You know, I want to stay within the community. And I'm like, I mean, look at all the schools that I've done. They all have to do with this job right here, and you want me after you know all these years to go back you know, to a line company, you know, a line unit or do a bibillet. And you know what the bibillets are, you know, they're either drill instructor or recruiter, yeah. you know, MSG, stuff like that. And um, so one thing about this, the, 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 you know, retention and the company and stuff like that, it, you know, all I see about this company is it's good for training wise, for, you know, unit cohesion, obviously, you have mm-hmm. a bunch of people now. Uh, but for retention, and I'm not really clear on this, you know, I've been out for a while, but uh, it seems to me that it's still the same problem. You know, it seems to me like it's a company. I mean, how many E6s can you have in a company? You know, maybe a gun is the one running it or whatever, but but that's just that one guy. You know, I think something needs to happen in, in such a vital you know, job as, as what we did, man, well, you know? Yeah, maybe we can get attention to the to the, to the the cause, man. But the truth is, to, to those younger uh, younger members of the audience, guys that are thinking and you're teetering on the line of what um, unit you want to join within the Marine Corps, um, I'm going to have to say it as, as of now, until they figure that out, if you're looking to have a long career within a, a specialized MOS or a, a special operations-like um, environment, um, reconnaissance is definitely going to be the best way there, the reconnaissance community, more so probably MARSOC because they're SOCOM, and once you're SOCOM, yeah. you'll stay in SOCOM. Yeah. So you can even operate as a master sergeant if you want, or up to that rank from what I understand. Um, well, I think, yeah. I think if you want to stay 100% within a community, MARSOC's probably the best bet. Yeah, if but you want to... Guys, you know how it is. Yeah, we they, got, they, we same got, thing. Subjected to their monitor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If you want to do, you know, a specialized job or whatever, and you want to, you know, make it a career path, then in the Marine Corps, Marshall's the best bet right now. Yep, that's definitely it, and same advice I got for all the younger guys coming up, or even the guys within the Marine Corps now um, thinking about going scout sniper. Remember, you can go to scout sniper school and become a hog in the reconnaissance community and in MARSOC. Right. right? So keep that in mind. Um, But that being said, I don't want to take away from the battalions. They need their scout sniper assets. But just keep in mind, Marine Corps, headquarters Marine Corps, you're doing the guys an extreme injustice by not following through with the promise of making 0317 a prime. Primary MOS, okay? That's where you're going to always yeah. have your retention issues with keeping guys uh, in re-enlisting. Um, can we, can we kind of like 
transition into Puerto Rico, I, I, yeah. I kind of I want to I want to hear what what your initial thoughts were. A big beginning hurricane, you know. Yeah, I'd love to hear. The, and also because you know, Jason, you were in Puerto Rico, but I'm assuming for Joel, it's got to be different to be you know living there. This is where he calls his home. You get to come exactly. back to New York, so yeah. Yeah, well, uh, to, to start with, man, and, and Jason, you were here, and uh, I, I don't know what you've seen in the news, Ian, but uh, Hurricane Maria, it's been the worst natural disaster in Puerto Rican history by far. You know, but it's, it's worse than Hugo, George's, you know, but it's, it's been the worst. Uh, I believe it's, it's the first time that the whole, you know, island is like off the grid. And, and power-wise, I mean, you know, yeah. no power, no communications, no nothing. And um, and it was like that for, I would say, communications-wise, a few days. Like, I had no signal, no nothing, uh, landline, cell phone, like, for about four days. Mm. You know, uh, after four or five days, in certain spots, you know, around the island, you could get some signal, you know, and, and, and that's about it right there. Uh, when Jason came over, it was like about, I don't know, maybe four weeks after the hurricane, Jason. Yeah. A little bit, something close to that. Yeah. Uh, something like that. It when, took us a while to wait. Yeah. It took us a while to wait for the airports to open up, to get tickets at a decent price. It was just chaotic. Right. You know? Yeah. What I'm trying to get at is after, you know, after four or five weeks, uh, the whole island had like maybe 18% power, mm. you know, on like Crazy. 30% water. Uh, communications, like maybe 30. But today, I mean, today's uh, November 14th. Right now, it's like there's a, tomorrow, there's a deadline. Tomorrow's supposed to be 50% power. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be met. The governor saying yes. The uh, guy in charge of the power authority down here, he's saying yes. But then you have the Army Corps of Engineers saying, no, it's not going to happen. Mm. You know, so what's going to happen tomorrow for that 50% deadline? I don't know. They're saying by December 15, we're supposed to have 95%. Army Corps of Engineers, once again, is saying that 95% <laughs> will be achieved by... February, March time frame. Mm. So they're being a little bit more realistic, and I feel the governor and the head of the power is being a little bit more political. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that, that's what it is. That's what it is, you know. And then remember the governor, he goes by what he's being told, you know, so that's, that's, that's what he tells, you know, uh, the, the, the people, you know. Do you think it, maybe it's about uh, putting it, some pressure on Washington to go do something? Say, say it again, Ian. You, you think part of that is, is to put some pressure on uh, here on Washington to, to get involved? Well, they've been trying. You know, he, he's been in Washington twice already. Uh, like, still, like, uh, down here, communications are, are, are scarce, and, you know, the TV and, the, the, you know, uh, so we don't really know much of, of what's going on sometimes. You know, uh, you, you can see it on the newspaper. Mm -hmm. But uh, he, he's, he's been going over there, and, you know, and even when the president came over, you know, he tried to, you know, to get some help. of like, hey, look, you know, like things happen faster for, 
you know, Texas, for example, with Harvey for yes, of course. Um, New Orleans and stuff for Katrina, you know, for Florida, for Irma, you know, and, and like, here we are, and we need the help mm-hmm. brought up. It feels so. Like- uh, I mean, without getting in, into politics, you know, besides I don't like it too much, but yeah, uh, yeah it's the process for Puerto Rico has been really, really, really slow. And I know that we uh, have a, you know, geographical situation because we're not attached by land by yeah. you know, opponents, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, still, the. Uh, I agree. I agree with you in the aspect that the communication could probably be 10 times better if there was consideration of that very thing. I think people need to be informed as to what's going on. For me, it's more when I went out there, it was more of a I'm being told something just to stay just to be just to be silenced. You know, it's it's, it's nothing factual to what I'm being told, but it's just to, you know, Keep quiet, it was, it was calm just, down. It was just bits yeah. and pieces of information, you know, never something like really, really concrete, you know, where you can like grasp it and be like, okay, this is it. No, it was like bits of information that you had to put together and kind of figure, you know, what's going on. <clears throat> you know, when you're, you, you, when you have a family, when you have kids, you know, and everybody's asking you, you know, then you have to like grab all these bits and pieces that, you put together, you know, and like try to pass the information on to them. You know, it's it's kind of hard to keep everything, you know, together and stuff like that. <clears throat> so, so but, I mean, it's getting better. It's a lot better than when you came over, Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, pretty much it's like 80% water right now. Uh, I'm not really sure about the power. You know, they're saying 50 by tomorrow. I, I think we're pretty close to that. Uh, communications are better. Obviously, I'm talking to you guys. Yeah, you sound great. Ago, this, this wouldn't be possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great that we have military but, personnel, you know, that we could talk to and connections over there and, like, get the real on-the-ground story. Um, yeah, yeah. Joel, I got to hear your take on when Jason was there uh, on, on what's going on with the shipping situation because all I know is Jason sounded like he was ready to beat the shit out of someone at uh, UPS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and he went through that experience, and like two days before, uh, it was me. The same thing happened and, uh, to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is the thing, man. People were sending, I mean, I got a, you know, a bunch of brothers out there, man, you know, mm-hmm. sending care packages, you know, like four, five, six, seven packages. The first one, I got it six weeks after it was sent. Six weeks. You know, and, I, and I'm I'm lucky because I got all my packages, but there's a lot of people that they didn't. I'm wondering know, what the reasoning is, though, because, you, you know, the way you made that? it sound. I'm, I'm wondering the reasoning, though, because the way you made it sound, Jason, like you think there's some politics involved. Mm-hmm. I definitely think there was politics involved. Like I said, it, it's an illogical. It's illogical for me to see franchises getting their mail, getting their supplies to continue selling product and making money. Yeah. But individuals yeah, can't receive yeah, I'm gonna their say it too, uh, mail, of course, and how it is, and Jason knows this, but there was a lot of stealing too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm not going to say which ones, but there was, you know, mail services where they were giving people open boxes with their stuff missing, you know, and, uh, and stuff that never made it, you know, supposedly. You know, so, uh, I, and I understand also there was a big, big overflow of, you know, 
packages and mail coming and not enough personnel. But, you know, it's, it's also the attitude when you go to the places, you know, they, well, they get all mad. They're, they're, like, they don't, like if it's your fault. Or yeah, something. they don't have that adapt and overcome mentality. Like whoever the, the oh, and, and you know what, this this is a big, this is what this was a big lesson, a big rude awakening for the leadership in Puerto Rico, whether it's a business or whether it's political. This was a, this, I would give this situation and the way they responded to it an F. An epic F because I I didn't see any leader taking the bull by the horns, adapting and overcoming to the situation and and being on the ground with their people and coming up with solutions and at least a form of communication where people can receive their messages or their their information um, as as far as um, the uh, disaster reliefs are uh, concerned, you know, but what I did notice is a tremendous amount of money and supplies flooding the island. But the problem is the, these didn't continue to trickle down to those who needed it. That's what I'm saying. And that, to me, was an extreme lack of leadership or reflective of an extreme lack of leadership. You still there, Joe? Do we lose you, man? I don't call him. Oh, <laughs> we'll <call> him. <laughs> We just we just wild. talked about the communications being good. It's like uh uh uh. <laughs> Hopefully we still get him. Hello. There we go. All right. Yeah, I lost you there for a minute. Nice no worries. The I'm, I'm surprised it happened so late in the game. That's pretty cool. I know. But, uh, you think we should leave that in there so yeah, that people like can hear it. that? Cool. Uh, I just, I just like I said, uh, my last point um, that I brought up and that I even want to deal with is it, just uh, an extreme lack of leadership is what happened. You know, um, the, those who are appointed leaders or business leaders, they're they're really falling short on their responsibilities. And I think maybe we need to re- look at this and who we appoint and see what the experience they have in these situations. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of things that happen too, not only with, you know, regular mail stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if, you, if, if, if some of this happened when you were down here, but like, you know, some of, some of the athletes from Puerto Rico, you know, like Carlos Beltran and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Jadier Molina, all those guys right there, they send shipments down here, you know, with food supplies, all kind of stuff. And some of them disappear. When they got down here, I, I believe it, and I I had a buddy. No, it, it it did happen, you know, and it, it's like okay, you know, we send like two containers down there, and one is missing. I mean, how do you lose a fifty-three foot container? You know. Yeah, I had I had a, uh, a buddy tell me they collected a bunch of stuff, you know, generators, chainsaws, and whatnot, and they had it on the flight line in an airport in North Carolina for you know ever. You know, it's been there for like four or five weeks at that point from when he told me, which makes sense because I was there about six weeks, four weeks after the fact, um, four weeks after the fact. And he told me it was still there for about four weeks. And so everyone did their part. Everyone over here in the, in the U.S., man, everyone actually pulled together and collected in a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous amount of aid to yeah. send to Puerto Rico. Everyone did their yeah. part. Each individual out here did their part. Like he said, he had buddies do the same thing with, with care packages for him. I mean, everyone did it. You know, you look at social media, it looked like everyone was involved, right? And we had truckloads of aid and supplies going out, but nothing was getting there. Whether it was the, oh, and I don't think it was, and, and even if it was getting there, here's the crazy part. There was stuff that actually got there, but wasn't offloaded, wasn't um, 
consolidated. It wasn't vouchered. It was just there, rotting away on the tarmacs. So to me, it's just, yeah, I don't know, eerie, reason, worth looking into. They couldn't give it to you. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, but, I mean, people's been very supportive, too, man, you know, from all over all over the place, yes. especially, obviously, you know, the states, all the help done here, uh, you know, the military, yes. you know, the guys that they sent from the states, you know, different National Guard units, uh, uh, Marines, you know, Army, Navy, everyone, they're, they're still down here. And what they're doing, man, is, you know, it's like uh, when I see them, man, you know, I, I feel like back in the days, you know, the, the stuff they're doing, they're going town, town to town, you know, delivering water, mm-hmm. uh, MREs. Uh, I can't believe some of the stuff that happens, man. We had a, a mayor down here, one of the city mayors from uh, Calle, mm-hmm. one of the towns down here in Puerto Rico. And, uh, you know, the military was giving out MREs. And uh, he he dared to question the uh, nutritional value <laughs> of MREs. You, know? you mean, like, you, mean you, know, it's just, you have doubts uh, that this meal that where one contains over 2,000 calories could, uh, uh, you know, nourish your patrons? Is that where you're concerned? Right, right. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I only ate that for 10 years. I mean, come on, man. Do we know which you mayor know? this is? For Calle. Was that? Yeah, Calle. from Calle. I, I don't know his name. I don't remember his name, but you can look it up, man. I'm, I'm wondering if that's Throw Punch Jason of the Week the, worthy. The article so you can see it. What's that? <laughs> There's, there was a lot of mayors, like the mayor of San Juan. Yeah. She yeah. was another uh, superstar. Um, you know, when it came <laughs> yeah. to, you know, making hats and T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the middle of power what outages. Doing? And Looking like, for publicity. Yeah, what stuff. are you doing? Why are you making T-shirts to push your political agenda? Shut up and get out to one of these small towns where kids are literally drinking dirty water yeah. off of a cliffside. Crazy. You know, to try to, you know, hydrate. This is ridiculous. Who cares about your T-shirt? You know, and, and yeah. uh, you know, it's just, it, like I said, it's definitely, I, I give it A plus to the people. A plus to the people of the United States, A plus to the people of uh, uh, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, and, and A plus to anyone that supported and any other nation supported us through that hard time. But a daggone F, an F, 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 F to all the leaderships invo- leadership involved in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's, that's how it is. But yeah, like I said, man, you know, the, the, the people have been just phenomenal, you know, with, with, with all the help, all the stuff that they gather same down here uh you know power companies from texas from florida you know that they came down here they brought their own trucks you know their own tools mm-hmm. their own everything yeah i seen them you working know, on the down here. You, you should you should see some of the stuff i got in the mail from some of the brothers man nice you know like i got a sat phone you know the the, the, the wife she was phone. like what is that and i'm like it's a satellite phone and That's... she's like what i mean like how do they send? How do they send you this? <laughs> because we love each other, man. Let me tell you. And, yeah, and I, I'm, like, I never... I'm like because I'm like you know the guy that sent me the sad phone. He's like it was actually JD Potinski. He oh. was like, like 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 we talked like two weeks after the hurricane, and he like he like chewed me out. He was like, <laughs> hey man, like I haven't heard from you like in two weeks. You know what's going on? And I'm like, well, dude, you know we just got hit by the biggest hurricane in Puerto Rican history. You know. <laughs> And he's like, that's it. I'm sending you a sat phone. That's I'm cool, like, man. all right. <laughs> Dude, I'm you telling know. you. And, and I didn't know Joel prior to 
the whole, you know, soft rep thing. And because he saw me, uh, you know, I had a little presence online or whatever. I don't even know how you came across me. But he wrote to me on Instagram and we became, you know, friends there. I mean, it's my brother. Once you tell me you're a hog, once you tell, you, tell me you're a Marine Scout sniper, to me is... You know, those who shed blood in the same mud will forever be my brothers. You know what I mean? And that's who he is. And from there, it's a genuine, genuine love. And he picked me up yeah. and showed me the same thing. So that's why I believe, man, you're talking about $1,200 phone, sat phone, you know, coming to a brother yeah. that's in a, in a, in a, a situation of distress. You know, you'll get that. So is that <laughs> the first time you guys hung out when yeah, you arrived? Yeah, wow. that's how we are. It's a brotherhood, man. Yeah, same yeah, thing yeah. in all these uh, tight communities like reconnaissance, special forces, um, you know, Navy SEALs, like, you know, we, we, we suffer, we, we endure misery together to the point where I can tell what piece of cloth you're cut from because it's the same as mine. You know, we walk the same path. We have the same morals. We, we respect the same things. So right then and there, my guards are automatically going down when you tell me you're a Marine Scout sniper. And like I said, it just, you feel that genuine, that genuineness, that, that no agenda, that, yo... I, I, I truly want to help you out. And that's, you know, for those kids that are looking to get into special operations, you know, not just the fact that later on you can call yourself a fucking badass, all right? I mean, for some of you, that's what you guys are doing it for. But the truth is, as you get older, <laughs> it's true. Uh, the truth is, as you get older and you start going through things, the biggest, biggest takeaway from joining one of those communities is that that tight-knit, uh, uh, tight-knit-like environment where you, you'll have brothers for life. For life in such a small community that transcend all facets of uh, uh, this world in different industries and stuff like that, you could come to and you can draw from knowledge. You know. That being said, uh, Joel, ex- explain to us what you've been doing since you got out with the whole carpentry thing. Because I think got a funny story. Yeah. Uh, well, when I got out, that uh, this is the thing, man. I got out the first time. I said the first time because I got recalled to go back to Iraq. I got out the first time in two thousand two. In 2009, I got recalled, spent a year in Iraq. Uh, what I've been doing, man, ever since I got out the first time, and then, you know, after I got done with Iraq in 2010, it's, uh, uh, you know, woodwork, uh, carpentry, uh, you know, kitchen cabinets, uh, furniture, you know, jewelry stores, stuff like that. That's uh, that's what I've been doing. So, so and, uh, the funny story yeah. you, you want to hear is... <laughs> this is uh, what I want to hear. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Back in 2010, man, it's been like maybe about six months since I got back to Iraq. Uh, I went up to Washington, D.C. with a mutual friend, you know, Jose. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just there, you know, we went there, spent a few days, vacation, watch a ball game, with, you know, the Washington, Washington D.C. Yeah. baseball team. Yeah, so uh, we're there, man, and I'm like, hey, man, let's go to, uh, let's go to Quantico. And uh, we can go to Scout Sniper School. That's the school I graduated from. And, like, right next to Scout Sniper School is the PWS, which is the Precision Weapons Section. That's where they make all the uh, M40 series rifles, mm-hmm. the uh, Musa 45s, you know, DMR rifles, all the stuff. So it's like, okay, cool, let's go. So we go down there, and uh, we spend the whole day with this guy. His name is Eric Reed. At the time, he mm-hmm. was the guy in charge of the PWS. He was also the one that designed the, um, you know, M48, 3, 5, serious rifles right there. So uh, when we're done at the PWS, we walk over to the schoolhouse. We go in the schoolhouse, and, uh, you know, I was like a little kid, man. It's like it's been like a bunch of years. I'm back at my school, you know, and uh, the, 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 all the chairs and the desk, they, they're still there. <laughs> and um, so we go back to the uh, instructor area, the same place where I met Chuck Mohini. And right there, there's this young sergeant. 
uh, one of the instructors sitting there. And um, Eric, you know, introduced me to all of them. Like, hey, this is Joe Ortega, you know, old 8541. He used to be an instructor also at the schoolhouse of Second Marine Division. Uh, you know, he told them all the, all the stuff that I'd done, all the, you know, all the education and stuff. And uh, this guy, he's all excited, you know, that, that, that he's meeting me and stuff. He's like, hey, man, you know, so, uh, so like, where you been, all this stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, I just got back to my rack, you know. He's like, oh, that's, that's, that's fucking cool, you know. And he's like, so... Uh, what are you doing now, man? Like, what are you, what agency are you are you working for? I'm like, I'm like, no, dude, I'm 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 not working for an agency. I'm a, I'm a woodworker back in Puerto Rico, <laughs> and he's he's looking at me, man, like 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 kind of lost, and then he's like, he he thinks it's a joke, and he's <laughs> like, nah, for real, man, you know, like I I know like you guys can't talk about that, you know, because of the nature of the work. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm, I'm serious. I'm a woodworker, man. I, I make like kitchen cabinets and stuff like that. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, I mean, he's like, uh, you're like a, you know, Marine Corps scout sniper, scout sniper instructor. You've been to all the schools. You've been to Iraq, and you're building cabinets. <laughs> and, okay. and I'm like, dude, wait until you get out. You know, it's just not that what you think. Wait you know? till you get out. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait till you get out, fucker. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not, it's not what you think, man. It's not like we're gonna get out. And there's like companies out there waiting for us. I mean, I don't know now. Or it's not like you know. Yeah, it's not like they're gonna no. come. They're gonna come seek you out in the mountains of Colorado, yeah. or like Bob Lee Swagger, yeah, so, and like, hey, so you he want to work like, black ops like for the government? Yeah, he was like highly, highly disappointed, you know, that I wasn't like working for an agency or whatever. I think it's cool though, man. It shows that you're a versatile person, multi talented, the same way that Jason Mm -hmm. is with tattoos. Uh, No, I think that's great. You know, I feel like we got to get one good combat story out of you before we wrap this up. So anything that stands out, I mean, you have to have some awesome stories. Let me see. Tell you this one, man. We're in Iraq in 2009. I think it was, uh, I think it was August. We used to have this building, and uh, it was pretty much like our uh, company building. You know, when uh, we used to go to the rooftop of this building, smoke cigars all the time. And uh, I'll tell you two stories. This one first. So uh, <laughs> we used to go to the, to the rooftop and smoke all the time. I was in Toledo. This is right next to Nasiriga in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And uh, from the base that we were in, you could see maybe like a mile away a cigarette. A cigarette is a Sumerian pyramid. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So we're sitting in this rooftop one day smoking cigars. And uh, when you're inside your pub or fob, you get this sense of like, like you're secure. You know, and, and especially in long deployments, you think when you're back in the fob or home, you're safe. <clears throat> so we're in the rooftop of this building talking this one day, and uh, about three, 400 meters in front of us, there was this big-ass lot, and people used to park Hummers and MRAPs there. So um, this particular day we're smoking, we're looking at the, uh, you know, the sunset just happens to be over the homers that I, that I just told you about, three, 400 yards away from us. All of a sudden, one of the homers blows up. And uh, this, is, this is the sense of security that you get when you're inside the pub. I'm looking, uh, I'm, I'm sitting there, homer blows up. I look at the guy next to me, 
And the first thing that comes out of my mind, out of my mouth, is like, man, somebody fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if like if someone like I don't know, like 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 fucked up with explosive or did something wrong, and the Homer blew up. <laughs> you know, that was my first you thought. Were, you, we're you, inside yeah. the club, so so I mean, who's gonna attack us? Or you know, so all of a sudden, man, you can hear like these loud zip noises, and they were rockets. Mm-hmm. We got. We got rocketed that day with five rockets. Those are the, uh, the and, uh, 107s so get up. scream loud. What's that? The 107s, they scream very loudly. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty loud. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, we get up, start running. We go downstairs, you know, we take the, 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 the stairs to get up the roof of the building. And the people inside, they come up laughing. You know, they, they bust out the doors laughing. Like, hey, who fell? And we're like, nobody fucking fell. We're getting attacked, you know? <laughs> and they'll start yelling again and run back inside the building. The complacency is ridiculous. You really start getting And, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's where that's that saying comes saying. from. Get, yeah, the complacency kills because you get that yeah. warm sense of security, man. Yeah, man, I got to tell you, I got something similar like that in this uh, camp Al-Assad, which is, Ian, I don't know if you, Al-Assad is in Al-Qaim, it's like yeah, one of the yeah, biggest bases, yeah, was, and this yeah. is a 40 by 40 click base, it's huge, it's massive, yeah, it's and there's movie big. theaters in there, there's a Carl's Jr. truck from when I remember, probably, there's probably a mall there in an embassy building or something now, I don't know, but it's huge, <laughs> it was massive, man, let me tell you, PX, everything, so... 40 by 40 click base, you know, you don't really think much is going to happen to you, right? Somehow, a rocket comes into the base, and it didn't really have a target. These guys really didn't. They didn't have the four controllers. It was just like, I'm sending something that way. Hopefully, we'll hit something. And this kid coming out the PX, definitely a pogue. Um, you know, no disrespect to him because the kid eventually lost his life. But, you know, he's walking out of the PX and he's got his Copenhagen, his magazine. And, you know, he's thinking to himself, ain't nothing going to happen to me here. I got the most cush spot here. And next thing you know, out of nowhere, a rocket comes down and lands right on him in front of the PX. Like, what Man. the hell are the possibilities for that? And that's what we're talking about, that complacency when you're in there. You're still in the combat zone, gentlemen. You still have yeah. to keep your wits about you and situational awareness about it. it happens. It happens to the best of us. What's your other one, Joe? Yeah, I'll let it play. Yeah. All good, man. <laughs> yeah, so you get, you get, you get like that, you know, and it's, it's easy to do. That's a big place, 40 place by 40 place. Uh, mm-hmm. Camp Adder, what I was, Cub Adder, it was like about three by five. So it was it was pretty small. All we had was the uh, two section, you know, the housing unit, mm-hmm. a little PX, and then an airstrip, and that was it. You know, where we would land and and, and take off from. So, but that's about it, right there. What's the second story? You said you had another one for us. So, in Iraq, man, I was with an army unit. Okay, so. These guys, man, in the, this, this, this building where we used to smoke, uh, it had like a ladder, just a ladder where we would go up and down, like a fireman's kind of ladder deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, this building was like 18 feet high. One day, the battalion commander comes out, and he's like, hey, uh, aren't you like a woodworker back home? I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, why, why don't you build like a nice you know, set of stairs so you guys can go up and down the building without 
actually, you know, like going up and down this skinny ladder, you know. I was like, yeah, we'll do that, you know. So <laughs> took me like about two weeks, man, build this, this uh, like a staircase, actually, to go up to the roof of the building. And uh, at the very top, I put a sign, and it was the Mahini's deck. Like Chuck Mahini. Chuck Mahini's deck. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So the Mahini's deck. These guys, you know, they're army guys. And they're like, hey, yeah, so uh, who's Mahini? That you could, you know, Chuck Mahini's deck up there. And I was like, well, he was a Marine Corps scout sniper. And they're like, they're like, what the fuck, man? You know, this is like an army unit. And I was like, <laughs> and that, 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 that unit right there was called the uh, 41st IBCT. And they were out of Oregon. So I was like, no, man, listen. And this this is just pure coincidence. I was like, listen, man, you know, I see the Mahini's big, you know, yeah, Marine Corps Scout Sniper. But the thing is that Chuck Mahini, he's from Oregon. And they were like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> we got it, you know. So I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I think the most, the, yeah. the, the most interesting part of that, a lot of people are probably questioning now, how did a Marine Corps Scout Sniper get reactivated and sent to an Army unit? You know, I didn't well, know that was thing, a thing man, either. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you how it happened, man. In 2009, DOD was doing a recall for the Army. Mm. And uh, I had the same question. When I got the letter, I got a letter, man, in the mail saying, you know, like, presidential number order, uh, so-and-so, whatever, you're being activated back to active duty. And, and a date to report to a base. So I called the number, man, and I was like, hey, uh, listen, you know, I've been out for, like, seven years. And I'm... Uh, I served, you know, nine years, so I don't have any IR time. And you're recalling me again, you know, calling me back. And they were like, well, this, this, it doesn't matter of your IR time. This is a recall. You know, the Army's doing a recall now in 2009. The Marines did one in 2007. Even the Navy did one, like, in 2004 or something. So the thing is, they go, they base the recall on the needs. So they needed, uh, you know, a sniper in the Army, said B4, so they called me back when they uh, they recalled me back. It was like well, close to 30 of us that reported to Fort Benning. You know, and you had guys, it was like two guys from the Navy. Uh, there was like two Marines, me and this other guy, and then a bunch of Army guys. And it ranged from everything, uh, combat engineers, Rangers, SF, you know, all the stuff. So that's how I got called back. Sweet, bro. You know, they, they, they needed a B4 to go to Khalil. And it was funny, too, man. Another funny story. When I got to, you know, I got spent, uh, I spent, you know, a few weeks at Benning, a few weeks at Camp Shelby, Mississippi. And then, you know, as you know, you go to Kuwait and you're there mm-hmm. for about 15 days or whatever. And then you go to either Iraq or Afghanistan. When I got to Iraq, it was just me by myself. I got to uh, Kabadar. I get out of the plane, I go into the, you know, what they call the terminal, and I'm carrying like these, you know, four duffel bags and stuff, and I'm just waiting there for someone to pick me up. Uh, about an hour later, man, a first sergeant shows up. And he's like, hey, are you the sniper? I'm like, yes, for sure. And he's like, okay, you're coming with me. As we're walking out, another <laughs> first sergeant shows up. And he's like, hey, are you the sniper? And I'm like, uh, yeah, first sergeant. And he's like, no, you're coming with me. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, which one is it? So they start arguing. <laughs> like, who's going to take me with them to, you know, to their company or whatever? Well, they're arguing, and this is a true story, by the way, man. While they're arguing, a Sergeant Major shows up. <laughs> Sergeant Major Storm. He looked like no shit, man. He looked like that 
uh, Sergeant Barnes from Platoon. That Tom Berenger character, oh. he even had the scar on his face. Whoa. He shows up, badass guy, man, real cool guy. He shows up, and he's like, are you the sniper? And I'm like, yes, sir, man. He's like, no, you're coming with me. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's go. It's like, who's going to come so back? Pretty much spend my whole time. Who's going to come back in, with the prize? You know, was that? It's like who's gonna come back with the prize to the unit? Like what yeah, I no, brought. The, oh, the two, the two first sergeants just stood, they just stood there looking at him like, okay, you know, without saying anything. You know, he grabbed like two of my bags, I grabbed the other ones, and we drove off. So that's one of those one team one fight things, that. though, as we say, you know, because you're hanging out with army guys, mm-hmm. and you know, it all cut from the same cloth, as you said earlier. Yeah, it was it was a good experience, man. It was it was funny at times, you know, and then not so funny at others. Uh, another story, man. This one time we're at the uh, at the talk, and uh, that talk is the, the uh, tactical was, operating uh, center. Yeah, tactical, tactical operations center. center. Thank you. I'm in there, man, and the talk is like big, like really, really big. They're big buildings usually. So I'm standing there, like by the front door, and uh, I'm about to leave. I turn around, you know, to go out the building, and I see Sergeant Major Storm coming. And I'm like, shit, man, what do they say in the Army when the Sergeant Major, you know, walks in? You know, and I'm like thinking, thinking. And I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to say what we say in the Marine Corps, you know? So he walks in, nobody else is looking, and I'm like begging for someone else to be looking this way so they can say whatever it is that they say. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, you're standing there and even making noises with the door and stuff like that just to see if someone looks this way and see the sergeant major coming so they can yell whatever it is. So anyway, it didn't happen. Just, you know, so I, I'm looking, I'm like, okay, let's go, let's do it, you know. So I fucking snap at attention, man. I'm like, attention on deck. You know, everybody just turned around and looked at me like, what the fuck? You know, sergeant major storm, man, he keeps walking, puts his arm around my neck and he's like, come here. He's like, you're the Marine guy, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm the guy you picked up at the airport, right? And he's like, hey, you know, next time, you know, just say at ease. And I'm like, all right, you know? It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Our traditions are yeah, crazy. It's like, it, funny, it, man. It, it's like uh, the traditions between or, or, you know, our practices are like so different from the Army. Like, you know, they can wear covers indoors and we can't. You know, they salute indoors or maybe they can't wear covers, but they salute indoors and we don't. You know, they, they can wear their uniform out in town, their BDUs. We can't. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And then we announce, you know, all field great, great officers enter a room. We announce, you know, the sergeant majors, stuff like that. Like, you know, we give the people their respect and the attention that they command when they walk in the room because that's like, hey, all eyes on him, pay attention. You know, he's about to, you know, whatever he requires. Or he could just yeah. say, at ease, calm down, go about your business. So it's a respect yeah. thing we do, you know. And I think that goes in part a lot with how we just conduct ourselves in, in, in on missions, you know? We just, we have that, you know, everyone is going to get their respect, you know? And we're going to, you know, we're going to go hard for everything we do. Yeah, it, it was a good experience, man. It was it was really, really cool. Uh, we even got to celebrate the Marine Corps birthday over there. And uh, what they did, man, I think was pretty cool from the Army, you know, by doing this. But uh, November 10th, early in the morning, if we have any former Marines, you know, that are now soldiers in the Army, they want all of you, you know, in, you know, in, the, in this place, in the uh, in the club, because you guys are going to celebrate, you know, the Marine Corps birthday and stuff like that. So it was, like, announced everywhere that only Marines and former Marines and even, you know, the contractors that were former Marines were allowed 
mm. in this corner of the uh, you know camp adder to go to the uh, ceremony. And obviously they had the cake, they had the, uh, the you know even the message from the commandant. Commandant's message, yeah. You know, and uh, so everybody knew in the unit, man. You know that I was a former marine. So uh, some of the guys that I came pretty close with, man, they were like, "Hey, man, you think we can go with you to the uh, to that marine corps thing?" And I was like, man, it's, you know, it's only for, you know, Marines, you know, former Marines, stuff like that. So I was like, I tell you what, man, it was two guys. So I was like, I tell you what, man, just keep your mouth shut and come with me. <laughs> you know, so so I took him over with me, man, and, and, and they saw the whole, you know, uh, tradition and, and what I call the Marine-ness of the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, you know, they ate the cake, and, you know, everybody hugs everybody, you know how it is, yeah. man. And uh, at the end, when we left, they were like, man, that was that was fucking cool, dude. Heavy, you know, it, it was it was it was awesome. You know, they had like I said, man, it was just this moment. You know, you had the cake. They had on on a, a little screen. You know, they put in a tape or a DVD or whatever with the uh, message. You know, from the commandant stuff like that. And he actually addressed the message to, you know, obviously Marines, but also you know former Marines in other branches. You know. So it, it was cool, man. It was really, really cool. And one of these guys was uh, Captain Garner. Mm-hmm. You know, we became close friends in Iraq, and uh, he was he was like impressed, man. He was like, man, that was that was cool as fuck. That was some serious shit, man. That's awesome. Yeah, man. that's great. So, um, so yeah. before we get out of here, um, since you guys met on Instagram, let's uh, if you want to throw out your Instagram, plug your business, Hell anything yeah. you want to get out there, man. Up. Yeah, uh, Instagram is uh, Thunderstrokes, just like the ACDC song, Thunderstruck 8541. I'm going to follow you right now on our Instagram. Yeah, Thunderstruck 8541, that's that's my Instagram right there. And uh, my business down here, man, it's uh, called Timber, you know, for wood, Timber and Blues. Mm. And uh, it's in Aguadilla. That's that's the town where uh, Timber and Blues is at, and pretty much, man, brief description of what D and B is. It's uh, we call it a cafe bar. Uh, what we're gonna have, man, is uh, uh, coffee. Obviously, uh, it's not gonna be from an from an espresso machine. It's gonna be with the pour over method. Mm. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, is basically, man, a, an hourglass, like a big hourglass where you put a filter on top. You put, you, obviously, the grounded coffee in the filter, and then you, uh, with a gooseneck carafe, you uh, pour the water on the coffee. Uh, so that's pour over coffee. So we're going to have coffees. Uh, this must be some uh, damn good coffee. Uh-huh. What's that? This must be some damn good coffee, it sounds like. It's, in my opinion, is is the best. Nice. You know, uh, espresso machines are like a new invention. You know, uh, technically, and uh, the thing is, man, a lot of people don't know how to work with espresso machines, and they burn your coffee. That's why it tastes bitter most of the time. You know, it's not the coffee itself, but it's, it's, it's you know, it's the machine pressuring all the water to the coffee and stuff like that. But uh, you know, whoever likes that, that's that, that's cool. This is just something different. So, pour over coffee. Uh, uh, we're going to have like some food, you know, pastries and stuff like that. We're going to do brunches on Sundays and uh, cigars. You know, uh. we're going to, you know, obviously cigars from, uh, you know, um, 
you know, from Honduras, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, some from Puerto Rico also. Believe it or not, there's still uh, cigars being produced here, mm-hmm. and they're pretty good. And uh, obviously, you know, a, a bunch of alcohol. So cocktails, <laughs> you know, beer, local beer. So all that stuff. Right? Pretty much the theme, and uh, the Jason saw it, but... Uh, uh, what Timber and Blues looks like uh, is, is speakeasy. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys are familiar with the term, you know, sure. speakeasy, blind pig. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty much what it is. It's so pretty much what's the uh, plain side? And, and what's that? What's the website if people want to check it out? Well, it's going to be timberandblues.com. You better get uh, right that now, now before somebody. Okay, good. I'm about to say you better get that now because yeah. what they're doing is they they're buying websites so they can sell it to you. <laughs> yeah, no, we already bought it. Okay, so, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be up completely next week, but it's awesome. timberandblues.com. I, I can't wait to right there. Happening. Could you just spell that out What's for that? so people could bookmark it? Yeah, timber, t i m b e r. Mm-hmm. And you know, A N D and then blues later music, B L U E S. Cool. So yeah, book but you know, keep an eye out for it and it'll be up next week. Yes, sir. Um dude, you definitely brought it for episode three hundred. Yeah. We appreciate it. You know, took a little risk bringing a new guy on, but we'll definitely have you back, man. Some great stories. Extremely and, knowledgeable. Yeah, and, and also that on the ground experience in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. some uh some sniper history in the Marine Corps. I think we covered a lot, man. Yeah, no, thank you, man. Thank you for the opportunity. It was an honor. And, uh, you know, I, I, I listen to you sometimes, you know, seeing the, uh, the podcast and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's just great. It was, it was an honor, man. Yeah. So no, anytime. And, and anytime. it's an honor for us to hear the people who are listening from everywhere, yeah, man. And, and whenever, get... whenever you get a chance, you know, Jason's coming, but you mm-hmm. Ian, you know, whenever you get a chance, come down here and uh, we go to Timber and Blues, man. Nice. All right. I may have to take you up on that, man. Uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's awesome yeah. to hear the people listening in Puerto Rico and Australia and Germany, mm-hmm. you know, stationed overseas fighting for the country. Like, it, it's all over the place. So it's 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 just great, man, as a guy who's done, like, terrestrial radio in the mm-hmm. past where, you know, you're speaking to people on Long Island, which is where I was. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. it's a whole different ballgame when we're talking to people worldwide. Like, you know, you feel like it's a right. big responsibility. And uh you know, I, I want to put out great shows every week for these people. And I know Jason feels the same. Hell yeah. Hey, Joel. No, I it just, is. It's great. Yeah. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Gracias, mi hermano. De lo mío. <laughs> Translated. <laughs> my guy. <laughs> I appreciate everything you did. And thanks for coming on. And I, I'm sure I told you on Instagram or probably through text message. But if not... Happy belated birthday, Devil Dog Semper Fi, man. Yeah, and, and happy hey, Veterans Day as well. Fi, brother. And happy Veterans Day, killer. Hey, thank you very much. I'll hit you up later, brother. Hey, no problem, man. All right, thank you. Thanks. Great conversation there, man. We have a lot more to discuss before we wrap things up. But first, Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. With three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential, Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Not to mention the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. And it's delivered right to your door in a small, how-do-they-do-that-sized box with free shipping 
and returns in the U.S. and Canada. It really is true. It comes in this box, then you uh, open it up and you kind of watch the Casper grow out. So it's just very convenient. Um, But the best part is that you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. You know, you go to the store, you check out a mattress, you uh, lie on it for, I don't know, two, three minutes, and you're like, this is good. Uh, Yeah, that's not what Casper does. They give you 100 nights to see if it's a fit for you, and most likely it will be. Uh, After all, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable thing that goes without being said, especially you guys who are in the gym working out, you got to recover from all that, uh, which I know is a lot of you. I'm sleeping better, and uh, even colleagues in the business I know who have Caspers just really swear by their mattress. So start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash softrep and using SoftRep at checkout. That's Casper.com. Use the offer code SoftRep, Casper.com slash SoftRep. Offer code SoftRep for $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. So as I was doing that read for Casper, uh, Jason went downstairs, mm-hmm. and we have a very special guest on episode 300. The SoftRep radio audience might not know you yet, but, you know, anybody who's seen inside the team room cut from the same cloth, you know, which is on Soft Rep TV, they might be familiar with Navy SEAL Steve Ralston, who is in the New York area. You know, you live here and swung by, which is a real honor for episode 300, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. We did talk a, an enormous amount of horse shit that day. It was, yeah, it was a lot of poo-poo. Yeah. <laughs> with Jim. Yeah. You get you get Jim in the room, you get us in the room, some alcohol. You didn't drink, so you're naturally fucking nuts. So. Maybe a little too much sugar, a little too much caffeine. That, that was that was definitely done. That was an awesome show. You kind you know kind of set the tone for what I would say my demeanor was on the air there on after the fact, and I kind of had to tone it down because I I don't know what kind of fucking show am I on? Are we are we are we talking about prostitutes and stuff? All right, cool. Y'all y'all dig that? All right, we could keep going. And then it's been like Delgado, you gotta cool it with the curse. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm confused right now. I'm sorry. But yeah, that was an awesome episode, man. Well, with Jim, it's it's only a matter of time before somebody <laughs> he's talking about somebody's getting fucking stabbed, or he's taking his fucking tongue out and shit. Check this out, Ooh, yeah. and his shit is like four feet long. You know, <laughs> he can lick his eyebrows and shit. <laughs> so that's what he does best. Steve, tell us what you've been doing in the city, man. I mean, you got a fucking pimp ass pad because you bust your ass. You you work pretty hard. Um, I think it's interesting what you do. Um, can you enlighten people as to what you do for people that require your services. I And you can get right on there. Yeah, I'm going to say, <laughs> put the giant phallic symbol as close to, you, as close to your teeth yeah. as possible. The fuzzy one. Yeah. <laughs> Dis- disregard the penis in your eye socket. <laughs> I'm a safety and security consultant. What that translates to in English is I work for attorneys mm-hmm. and... I do a bunch of private surveillance projects, whether that's for fraud or whether that's for real crime. And I put individuals into criminals' patterns of life, and we get evidence of them doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. That's right. So it's I've been lucky. I've been put about 1,000 hours in the last two years, 
and it's it's continuing to grow. I've got some guys doing projects in Boston, some guys doing projects in North and South Carolina. I work with retired homicide detectives here in the city, and it's been lots of fun. You know, any any time we can help to take out the trash, whether that's globally or just locally, you know, we want to do it because people don't understand that crime it affects all of us. Whatever kind of crime it is, it raises the prices for everything. It, people don't feel safe leaving their homes. We have fucking wackadoodles running people over on bike paths. Damn straight. I mean, if anything we can do to help, we're going to do it. So, well, what I, about your uh, your background in the SEALs for people unfamiliar with you know what you've done? Well, I was uh, I went into the Navy ten days out of high school, and then I did your normal Navy nonsense for approximately nine months, and then I went to Buds. What? When? What years? I went to Buds in 1989. Wow. Graduated in 1990. Was in my first SEAL team, SEAL Delivery Vehicle Team 1. Did two platoons there as a primary pilot for the SDV. Spent a lot of hours flying that thing, maybe, I don't know, maybe 1,000 hours. Mm. And then lots of dry deck shelter stuff, which is pretty amazing. I was doing a bunch of James Bond shit when I was 20 and didn't even realize how cool it was. And... Basically, you fly the SDV around the giant nuclear submarine and follow your... It's it's a lot like flying an airplane underwater using only your instruments, mm. but the consequences aren't so severe because you can use your instruments to power back to the surface. And with a yeah. with an airplane, if your your shit goes down, you're going to... You're going down. Yeah, you're, you're going, going flaming hard. into the earth, so... <laughs> I did that for four and a half years, and then I was lucky and went to SEAL Team 3. I was there for about four and a half years also. I did Which two. is where Brandon and Mike right. Ritland were. Right. I didn't Eric know, Davis. I didn't know Brandon in the teams. I met him after when we were working on... He was working on a training project, and so was I. We, we met through local contacts... When I also when I got out of the teams, I had a commercial real estate company, so I knew Brandon. Very successful to, commercial real estate business <laughs> at a young age. <laughs> with that, with all that being said, you know why divorce is so expensive? <laughs> because it's fucking worth it. That's why. <laughs> this guy is crazy. Let me yeah. tell you, this man. I don't even know if he is still, but was grossing his business was grossing something like what are you saying? At one point, it was fourteen million. Oh no. More than that. When, uh, when, I, when I so graciously signed it over to my ex, we had a, a, conservative, a conservative pre-tax estimate of approximately $250 million. That's not, not, what, not our net worth. It's assets that we handled for other people. Mm-hmm. Our net worth was obviously significantly less than, but we did Still. own pieces, each one of the buildings. And that was uh, through no skill or... It was basically all luck. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time well, a it, bunch of days in a row. It, it, took, it, it <laughs> took your personality, too. It took your work ethic that you learned in the military, probably even before that. The fact is, you know, it took a lot of that work ethic, and it also took you keeping your word to people right. to get to the point where they can depend on you. They can say, this fucking guy is going to get the job done. And that's, that what, that's what propelled your business. Am well, I correct? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. We had... Everything from the highest rent in San Diego and in, in La Jolla, California, and then some of the lowest rents down in San Ysidro, Otay Mesa area. And the reason I'm bringing that up is I had several negotiations with individuals that are paying maybe 80 cents a square foot, mm. and then with some of the individuals in La Jolla are paying $15 a square foot. So you had to be able 
to be a chameleon and work with each one of those groups of people. Not that one's better than or less than or any of that nonsense, but everybody needs something. And if you can't go out there and help them, if you're out there only looking mm-hmm. for what you can get, you're never going to be successful. But if you can help somebody get what they're looking for, then you're always going to be successful. Because you're looking at, you're not looking at it as a, an individual basis. Like, okay, I'm going to treat this person different because it's his income. You're looking at it as this is my product. This is what I do. It doesn't right. matter who the client is. I'm going to give them 100. percent right. This is what we agreed to. Yeah, that's it. We can either shake hands and get it done, or we mm-hmm. can't. That's okay. I'm not personally invested in either one. Hopefully, I can help you. But if I can't, that's all right. Let me point you in a direction where you can find somebody who can. So, you know, FYI, guys, financially, you know, especially out here in New York, you can make like fucking six figures and still be broke as hell. Um, I wasn't in a decent place. And Steve freaking didn't know me from a hole in the wall. And he put me to work. And the great thing about him is he is he active. He's actively looking for special operation veterans that are in the New York area, Boston area that, you know, have the skill set to do the things he requires them to do to keep them gainfully employed and give them that purpose there and after the fact. And like I said, he's pulled me out of a lot of lot of stuff. You know, financially, I have to give him kudos. This is one of the most straight shooting, straight talking motherfuckers I've ever encountered. Let me tell you, I like how you threw a motherfucker. Well, in yeah, there. because no, because I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you about the motherfucker. This this <laughs> motherfucker right here, he can chew my ass out, and in the next second. Take me to, to go eat ramen noodles. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no hard feelings, you know. And I love that because that's just what we're used to, you know. And you 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 don't you don't see that out in the civilian sector. You see everyone, for the lack of better term, pussyfooting around certain subjects when it's really a waste of time. And you know, just get to the point. And this is him. This is who he is. You know, it's such a refreshing person to be around in New York. Believe it or not. Well, <laughs> it's funny that you bring that situation up. <laughs> We, we had an agreement. I expected him to do certain things. There was a couple things I didn't agree with. So I explained it to him, what mm-hmm. the deal was, and that's it. And it's, it's always been my philosophy. We can either shake hands and get it done, or we can't. That's fine. I'm not personally invested in it either way. If we can do it, great. If we can't, that's great too. You know, there's life's, life's too fucking short to work Exactly. About I think that's the only way it needs to be. If, you, if your, your ultimate goal is the mission or getting the job done, Anything else is just a waste of time. Just what needs to be done, here you go, got it, cool. All right, aside from the fact, what kind of fucking ramen noodles you want? Now business is over. <laughs> let's, let's do what we're here to do. But a lot of people get convinced they need to fill up that empty time with words. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's okay to be quiet. This is what I need to say. We're going to cover this. Then we're done. Yeah. Well, Steve, from what I know, you know, and I've seen you come in the studio, but, you know, leave and never had you on for like a whole thing. But but you're a pretty low key guy, yet yet at the same time, like running this super successful business, which I I know alone from seeing the skyline of your apartment, which is like one of the most (laughs) badass views I've ever seen. Well, I've I've been incredibly lucky. And it's never luck, though, is it? I mean, it's hard work. It's. Well, no, of course you got to put the time in, but the reality is you got to fucking get there, man. And if you're not willing to do what it takes, it's a lot easier to be lucky if you're prepared. So I say lucky because I don't want to sound like some fucking egomaniac because, you know, there's, a, there's enough of those. 
but from your community or uh, every community, <laughs> every community, everybody. Because I feel like Steve's pretty humble. For you know, people always say the SEAL community like they all have giant egos. I don't see you that way. Well, so. man, I've I've been nowhere and I've done nothing. So, is uh, the reality is everybody everybody did their fair share and sure. That's you know that's that's as far as that deal goes. But the I'm willing to put the time in. I'm willing to be uncomfortable, and at the end of the day, I'm willing to have uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. with some fucking hyper aggressive alpha males. And That's I've, right. I've participated in. A, I've been lucky enough to participate in some contracts and and work with some people and and some skills that aren't aren't necessarily mainstream. But I have had the unique opportunity to have a bunch of uncomfortable conversations with some pretty high caliber individuals. And I think that's what it comes down to, being willing to be uncomfortable. And you know what? You don't have to fucking like me, mm-hmm. but you're going to do what I fucking say, exactly. or you're going to get the fuck out of here. It's right. really that easy. I think that's a message that probably more so now than ever needs to be heard, because I just don't see that in the younger generations. Everyone is just so hypersensitive. It's well, ridiculous. we quit fucking beating our kids. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm not talking about physical abuse, uh, you know, but, you know, holding them accountable to their actions. Right. You're going to say fuck when you're seven. You're going to get your mouth washed out with soap. Right. You're going to pull your sister's hair. You're going to get your ass beat. I mean, mm-hmm. not a beating beating, but, a, you know, a smack with a wooden spoon or whatever it is. And when when that went away, I think it did a solid disservice because there's no accountability. There's no responsibility. It's it's everybody else's fault for everything. And yeah. everybody's convinced they're a fucking fragile fucking porcelain snowflake. And it's nonsense. <laughs> You know, that's when I'm when I'm working with guys, whatever capacity, I ask them, have you ever been in a fucking fist fight? Have you ever been punched in the face? And they look at me like a dog looking at a ceiling fan, you know, their heads fucking <laughs> sideways. And I'm like, because if you haven't been in a fight, you don't know what you can withstand. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get punched in the face, granted, it hurts. You know, you're, you're, you're ugly for a couple days, <laughs> whatever. But you realize, you know, this sucks right now, mm-hmm. but I'm going to get through this. Exactly. And it's the same thing. We've, we've been fortunate. We've been able to have different but similar special operations experience. But we realize at the, at the end of the day, it's all being resilient enough mm-hmm. to do whatever it takes and just fucking showing up, showing up on time with all your shit. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. And everything. And everything in life. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why I think, you know, a lot of civilians read books by Navy SEALs and former military because you could take those lessons into your everyday life, whether you're an accountant or real estate agent, doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So should we dig into this article about uh, Green Beret Logan Melger? I mean, it makes sense to have you here because... Uh, he's allegedly been murdered by two Navy SEALs, and I, you know, I'd love to hear your take on it. Um, we've been talking about it, Jason and I, the past few shows, but this article from the Daily Beast definitely like dug a little deeper on the issue. Um, so I'll read a little bit from it. Uh, the article is Green Beret discovered SEALs illicit cash, then he was killed. Uh, Logan Melger hadn't had a drink on June 4th. The Green Beret sergeant's dry day became a key to unraveling the narrative spun by the elite Navy commandos whom military investigators now suspect killed him, officials familiar with the case said. 
Melger, a staff sergeant in the Army's 3rd Special Forces Group, was specifically selected for an intelligence operation in the West African nation of Mali. He was well-respected by the American embassy staff and the partner forces there, a former U.S. Africa command official said. But shortly before he died, Melger told his wife that he had a bad feeling about two of his partners in that effort, both of whom were members of SEAL Team 6. Not wanting to say much more, Melger informed his wife, Michelle, that he'd tell her the full story when he got back home, according to an official speaking on the condition of anonymity, because the investigation is still ongoing. Now, those two Navy SEALs are under investigation for killing Melger, an investigation first reported by the New York Times, sending shockwaves throughout the special operations community. Military experts were hard-pressed to think of another case where elite U.S. troops turned on one another. This account is based on five members of the special operations community who were not cleared to speak publicly, representatives of both U.S. Africa Command, AFRICOM, and the U.S. Special Operations Command, SOCOM, declined for this story. As the Naval Criminal Investigative Services, NCIS, has an active investigation into Melger's death, NCIS would not comment beyond confirming the investigation is underway. And then it goes on to say, it is unknown what specifically started the June 4th altercation at 5 a.m., but it escalated. Melger lost consciousness and worse, stopped breathing. The SEALs attempted to open an airwave into Melger's throat, officials said. It is unknown whether Melger died immediately. The SEALs in another Green Beret, according to former Afghan officials, drove to a nearby French clinic seeking help. Melger was dead when he arrived at the clinic, the officials said. Asphyxiation was the cause of death. Um, and, you know, one of the quotes here is it was the worst excuse the SEALs could have made up. The autopsy report said no drugs or alcohol were found in Melger's system, which is what they originally said. So, I mean, just going through the whole article, it looks like there was some illegal activity going on in, in SEAL Team 6, which has been speculated on for well, a long time. The, the rest of the article goes on to um, state the purpose for that um, program or the program that they were a part of in Mali was to pay out informants. So they were in charge of these large sums of cash. So that's why that... That the possibility for this to, you know, be of sub- substance is there because that's they're the ones who had direct control of the money. And from what I saw <clears throat> in the article, because I'm just sifting through it, they they said they'd allow Melger to get in on this. He declined. They offered him, and yeah. then it almost sounded like he was going to rat them out, and because he thought what they were doing was wrong, and, yeah. and it led to this. So once again, I just want to say, so far at this point, this is just speculation. Once again, this is just a, 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 a possible account of the story. But through, you know, the coroner's report stating that there was no alcohol or uh, drugs in his system at the time, you know, that brings up a lot of questions enough so that the officer in charge of the investigation decided to look into a criminal matter. And enough um, to say that the SEAL's story yeah. was bullshit. Yes, because then, you know, who's going to be a part of the grab-assery when, you know, you're sober? But then again, we've done it. Everybody, sober, yeah, everybody, everybody does it. Somebody starts talking some nonsense. Yeah. Somebody's got more time rolling in the gym than somebody else. Mm-hmm. Fucking <laughs> Ernie pushes Bert. Bert pushes Ernie and tempers flare. Yeah. And I don't want to make light of a guy died, you know. Or getting a tracheotomy done on him drunk by someone drunk. I don't know. <laughs> I don't well, want to kill you in itself. That'll fuck you up. Using a rusty <laughs> fucking razor blade to yeah. open an airway. Who's got a big? What? <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote that? I, this is a, this is from um, Daily Beast. But I could I could pull it up on here. 
Um, I know that we've been writing some stuff at Safra, but that was a big one. Mm -hmm. And it is written by Kevin Maurer and Spencer Ackerman. So it's two different authors on that. Right. I'd like to see what their journalism background is. And not that they're not capable. It's just it's been my experience when we get a flash media like this. It's who, who knows what really went down and who knows where they got their facts. I'd like to think that they did. They did all the research that they checked, mm-hmm. all the leads that they mm-hmm. made sure that they weren't putting a bunch of nonsense out there. But especially now, this time and fake news and everything else going on, we we just don't know. It's it's terrible yes, sir. that that guy was killed, absolutely. However, I wasn't there, mm-hmm. obviously. But are these guys in charge of large quantities of cash to pay off infor- informants or blood money or whatever's going down? Of course they are. What, what about, you know, because we have heard about it on the podcast before from guys. There was that huge article in the New York Times of just, like, really crazy activity going on at SEAL Team 6 specifically. I, I'm i not privy to any of that information. However, you got to take into account these guys spend lots and lots of time turned on. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kicking doors in. They're shooting bad guys in the face. They live in a reality that we just can't comprehend. Yeah. And whether or not they were using uh, performance-enhancing drugs or whether they're being prescribed by the the uh, 18 Delta go and no-go pills, whether they're participating in an activity to keep their adrenaline levels up, who knows? But you can't hold that person to the same standard that we hold your normal citizen to mm-hmm. because it's not the same thing. We're talking about apples and oranges. We're asking these people to go do the fucking dirtiest shit you can imagine That's right. so we can continue to experience life the way we experience it. We've had, what, three terrorists, pardon me, four terrorist attacks in the last 17 years because these fucking hard dick fucking dragon slayers are doing the deal every mm-hmm. single day, and we and we think that... We can get our brain wrapped around what these guys are experiencing. That's just that's just nonsense. That's just a falsehood. It's we're 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 not capable of that especially, because we're not there. Especially guys yeah. have been operating for so long. You know these these guys in these tier one groups, man. They they're not subjected to being moved around by some monitor or some administrative personnel within their DOD. What they don't they don't answer to them. They answer directly to the Pentagon and the president, and they stay in the communities for a while. We talked about this last time, like. Why would you leave? Why would you leave? But then again, that's years of that, all, 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 everything they've done just harbored and harnessed inside. I mean, and even then, the, the, the toll that their body takes as well. So to, to, to say that they're using performance-enhancing drugs and think, you know, other things, it's, you're not saying nothing. You really are not. I don't, I don't think it's even possible to continue on in that life for so long and not have some form of help. Um, that being said, these individuals still go out there day in and day out and perform, like he said, the ugly jobs that need to get done. All right, these are the guys that do the ugly. I mean, that's what has to happen because there there is ugly out there in the world. There are wolves out there in the world. You know, we got other nations trying to circumvent our security, and, and you know, we got people running over kids on bike paths here. Look at that! And that motherfucker was running around the streets, and nobody ran his ass over. He, are you yeah. kidding? I'd have cut his fucking face off and worn it as a fucking yarmulke. Fuck that guy. Yeah. 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 yeah and, you know, it, and what I want to say is to me and where I come from is, okay, if this is in fact what these two individuals, if this was something close to what happened or reality, then they're going to have to fucking pay for it. But that's no hit on the rest of the community. 
You know, these are just two guys that just lost their way. You know, and they're going to pay for it. And we do have to get it. to the bottom of it. Yeah, you know? of course, definitely. We owe we owe it to the, the the slain soldier. We owe it to him to get to the bottom of it. And if it was because of um, some type of misconduct or misdeed that led to this unfortunate event, then you know, these guys will pay. They, they'll they'll be fucking pay. They'll be making big rocks into small rocks in Fort Leavenworth forever. Damn straight. Do you think sometimes like the animosity between branches gets That's, to the point of like ridiculousness? Nah, I, think so. I think it's like I we enjoy shit. it. It's playful fighting, and we talk shit all the time. But and when it, it leads to the death of a guy, possibly, but, uh, I don't. Know. I don't think. I don't think it has anything to do with. Uh, that kind of messing around differences. Yeah, that's, in, a, like, that's a different thing altogether. Yeah. Guys, guys are going to talk shit because if you're not talking shit, you're fucking gay. Like, what's the point? <laughs> and, not, yeah, and not in a good way. I mean, what's the point? Yeah, you're not, you're not gay in a way that pleasures yourself. <laughs> you're, not, <laughs> not, you're not gay in like the fucking interior design yeah. and you know the cooking way. Yeah. You're gay in the Jethro Tull fucking Aqualung way. So. <laughs> So you're not, you know, the, at the end. We're the least PC podcast. <laughs> Good, I hope so. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, you know, but that being said, we we don't go around and just fucking look to actively beat the shit out of somebody else in another department. No, That's not. It's just. It's like you're not playing street ball if you're not talking shit. Well, exactly. You know? And the reality is, all these guys have specialties that they're just absolutely the best at on the planet, yeah. and uh, that inner service. It's it's more camaraderie than anything else, from my experience. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the people get in fights. Of course, you have personality clashes. It happens. But as far as real animosity, I, I don't think so. Yeah. It hasn't been my experience. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where this leads to, you know. And if it's a dead end, it's a dead end. And like I said, I mean, it's, it's not far-fetched that it was still a fucked-up game of grab-ass. But then again, like you said, yes, we owe it to get to the bottom of it, you know. And, and if... What the wife is saying is true, then you know, like I said, it, t- it deserves a second look. Well, we owe it not just to the people immediately affected. We owe it to our fucking great nation. This that's is right. this is the best of the best here, and and if that's really what happened, and these guys they snapped, and then they they need to be severely punished for it. But mm-hmm. that it's the reason it grew legs and it got so huge is because it's a, it's you know SEAL Team Six and it's a it's a Green Beret and it's what, yeah. the pointy end of the spear and these guys are downrange all the time and now it's what I don't want to see is a knee jerk reaction to this you know how it happens so often in in the government in general that things are put in place to mitigate this after the fact i still don't think these gentlemen deserve that type of micromanagement that oversight they need to be allowed to do what they got to do and uh, exactly and as as you know war evolves just like everything language evolves technology evolves war evolves mm-hmm. so if you th- if anybody thinks that micromanaging the guys that are actually in that business all day every day is the answer then they're foolish yeah and we're going to lose some fights and the, I, I don't think we will lose fights. I think with our, our current president and our current structure, I think the rest of the planet is realizing, you know, this might be a bad decision fucking with the United States. You know, granted, whatever gets tweeted or mm. whatever mm. happens in the periphery, the reality is we still go to war. Yeah, And right. we're still the best deal going. I think it was Tony Blair who said he judges a country by the amount of people trying to get in and the amount of people trying to get out. And America still wins. Very true. Wow. Well, I mean, we're we're I think at about the two hour mark. Yeah, but we're gonna have so, him on again, and we're gonna have yeah. Steve back on for sure. <laughs> I'll be uh, sure to say motherfucker twenty seven times. <laughs> <laughs> Don't well, get me fired, bro. November thirtieth. <laughs> no, uh, we'll have you back. 
So yeah, just a you know a couple of weeks away, we'll do a full show. I'm looking cool. forward to it. Um, before we get out of here, anything that you're plugging, your business, you no, want to get out there? No, my, uh, I, you're not on social I, media or any of that other than your own personal. This is like right? a Jesse Davenport. This my, guy yeah, is under the radar. Stuff. Well, the reality is I have uh, some pretty high-end clients, and I not to be mm-hmm. a fucking asshole and not to orally inflate myself, but it's it's all word of mouth, and the people cool. that need me find me. Mm-hmm. So Steve is proving like not all Navy SEALs want to write books and... If, uh, <laughs> it would be it would be pornographic if I did. <laughs> hey, people would probably dig that, man. Hey, uh, there was a Navy SEAL porn star. Remember that coming out? Yeah, but he was he was hung like a cold, wet, frightened bull spider. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what I thought when I was banging him. But you know, you know. <laughs> I love it, man. All right, well, wrapping things up here as a reminder for all those who are listening: for a limited time, you can receive a fifty percent. <laughs> discounted membership to soft rep tv our channel that offers the most exclusive shows documentaries and interviews covering the most exciting military content today you can even watch the uh behind uh inside the team rooms cut from the same cloth which steve was on <laughs> if you want to check that out um or soft rep tv if you want to if you want to laugh and at a bunch of inappropriate humor yeah especially getting your dead hooker call remember that conversation <laughs> <laughs> That's they, the place to watch it. I hope so. They might have cut that out. <laughs> so uh, maybe we'll get into it in the next episode. Uh, Soprop TV's premiere show, Training Cell, uh, which is on there, follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country. Everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch this content by subscribing to Soprop TV at softreptv.us and take advantage of a limited time offer of 50% off your membership. It's only $4.99 a month. And then also, of course, if you haven't gotten a chance to check out the Softrep Crate Club, you're definitely going to want to do that ASAP. It's a subscription to get a box of badass tactical gear and survival gear delivered to your door every month. Here's the kicker. All of the gear is handpicked and tested by former special ops guys, so you you know you're getting quality gear that's going to work when you need it to. I know you're going to be like involved in that, Jason, picking some gear, right? I, I see hope you, so. I see you on the website, so I know I that... Haven't, I haven't got anything in a while, man. I'm starting to worry. Hey, whoever's out there, what's up? Where's my shit, man? That giant butt plug doesn't yeah. count. The, ho- the horsehair butt plug. That was my favorite thing that came in the crate club. <laughs> I don't think that was in the crate club. No, that wasn't the, that was the wrong thing I'm that talking about. That was a different, that was uh, a different, different crate, crate club. club yeah. right. You'll have to talk to uh, Adam Haddad. I think he handles a lot of that. Um, right. So crates we've set in the past have included gear like custom knives. You're still laughing at that. Uh, multi-tools, fire starters, EDC med kits, and other kick-ass stuff. You don't just get great gear with your subscription. You're also supporting a veteran-owned and run company. Plus, our Crate Club subscribers are invited to our annual club party. We have that in Vegas this year. We're going to do it again in January. And to subscribe and start getting your your gear, visit CrateClub.us. We also have gift options available. That's CrateClub.us. Dude, awesome having you here, man. I mean, Thanks, I think bro. this was a Appreciate kick-ass it. episode three hundred. I, I I agree with you. I don't I don't know. The reality is, uh, sometimes I have an internal editor, and sometimes I do not. So we'll <laughs> we see. like that. We'll see what the uh, you fit right in. We'll see what the soft rep community has to say about that. Absolutely, man. Um, so with that, you're going to hear our new imaging going out of this. I'm really excited with uh, 
all the new uh, stuff we put together. So shout out again to John Burns, Kara O'Brien, um, who helped make it happen. And uh, anything from you before we get out of here, Jason? Yeah, man. Shout out to the guys that went out there represented in London for the uh, Remembrance uh, Day Rumble uh, 2. And um, just great episode. Episode 300, three guests. That's what we do for you guys. And uh, oh, yeah. keep following, three keep guests. listening. Three yeah. guests with 300, bitches. That's Good right. time to be back, so. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. For all of the great content from our veteran journalists, join us and become a Team Room member today at softrep.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio. And be sure to also check out the Power of Thought podcast, hosted by Hurricane Group CEO and Navy SEAL sniper instructor, Brandon Webb.